Hey, this is Sam for Dobbs. If you need tires, hop on our website, go to Dobbs.com. We'll save you time searching brands, sizes, and prices, and save you money because we sell tires at the lowest price in town, guaranteed. For deals you can use, click on go to Dobbs.com now. Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. This is a Character and Smallman podcast on 101 ESPN. Good morning, everyone, and welcome to Carriker and Smallman on 101 ESPN at 701. Your time check brought to you by Clarkson Jewelers, an officially licensed Rolex jeweler. Michelle Smallman is powered through. She's here. <laughs> uh, round of applause for Michelle, who Thank had her you. very Thank first you. migraine yesterday. Yeah, you know, some some <laughs> severe head pain, never hurt anybody. We, we just turned off the lights and we powered through, Randy. You're, we are here. You're good here now? Yeah, I just, I don't know if it was, you know, maybe an excess of caffeine, a migraine, whatever it was, but let's pop some Tylenol. We're good. We're good. I'm a gamer. Now, if it really gets bad, <laughs> you're aware that the combination is Mountain Dew and Sudafed, right? If you have that, you're fine. Is this something uh, that I can DoorDash or you get sent to my I house? I would think you can find somebody to bring this combination to your house. <laughs> a Mountain Dew and Sudafed. You know what? You've talked about it enough. I should have yep, known. You should try it. I should have known that that was the, the cure. All my right. bad. We've got a lot coming your way, and you're always willing to text us 65780. That's the Air Comfort Service text line. And you can... Send us a mic drop at the Rhino Shield mic drop with the 101 ESPN app. Download that app for free. It doesn't cost anything. If it's free, it's me, Randy. Absolutely. We were talking, uh, and we're going to get to everything, but we were talking, I mean, literally seconds before we <laughs> came on the air because, Michelle, tell, tell me what you think of Chiefs fans. I think Chiefs Twitter is rapidly ascending to be the worst form of Twitter. It used to be Game of Thrones Twitter. You know, there's there's certain pockets of college football, definitely Ohio State Twitter. That's just insufferable. <laughs> Chiefs Twitter is right up there. All it is, my timeline, anytime the Chiefs play is, Patrick Mahomes is so good. Oh my goodness. Andy Reid, this and that. Tyreek Hill. Cheetah, cheetah, cheetah emoji. Enough. <laughs> we get it. You guys are good. It's, an, it's annoying. <laughs> I, uh, is this what Cardinal Twitter is like? Because yeah, I kind of think it you is. You know, looking on the other side, it makes me want to have Cardinal Twitter just temper it just a little. My representative of Chiefs Kingdom is Brad Barnes, mm-hmm. and yes, he's insufferable, but it's in a uh, in a charming kind of way. He redeems himself. So I don't I don't deal with Chiefs Twitter. I don't think it's that bad. You just have Brad Barnes. You just have me. Yeah. Yeah, that's my guy. There that's, you go. Yeah, that, it's no problem. Now, I will say this. I, I Over the weekend, when you talk about things like that, over the weekend, and it even happened in the telecast, how upset John Gruden was going back to New England for the first time since the Tuck Rule game in 2001, saying that the Tuck Rule game cost him a championship. 
He would have played the 2001 Rams in the Super Bowl. The 2001 Rams lost the Super Bowl, and we all know why they lost the Super Bowl. That Raiders team is not beating the 2001 Rams in the Super Bowl. That tuck rule game didn't cost Gruden a championship. It cost the Rams, the St. Louis Rams, a championship. Yeah, but it's easier for him to project that and think that he would have won. I mean, of course, he's not going to say, yeah, well, we would have faced the Rams and they would have killed us. Like, he's never going to say that. No, that's true. But... He would have said that, but the truth is he would not have beaten the Rams. Uh, congratulations <laughs> to Patrick Maroon. Yeah, the yeah. big rig. Congratulations. Yeah. The Tampa Bay Lightning are your Stanley Cup champions. They did it last night in Edmonton as they knocked off the Dallas Stars in Game 6 of the Stanley Cup Finals. And they win their first championship since 2004. Victor Hedman was the playoffs MVP. He had 10 goals. The defenseman had uh, the... the had 10 goals in the playoffs, so he won the Con Smythe, and the Lightning are the champions for the second time in their history. I'm so happy for Pat Maroon. I really am. He's a guy that is obviously a native St. Louisan, but he's he's part of us. We He's a guy that you're going to cheer for no matter where he goes. Kevin Shattenkirk, too, really happy for him. Always mm-hmm. liked him. Great player. We represented the Blues wonderfully for a long time. And... Five years ago, Ben Bishop took the Lightning to the finals, and they lost in the finals. Last night, he doesn't even get to play in the series, but his team loses again 2-0, and Andre Vasilevsky was great for Tampa Bay. And I'm kind of glad, Michelle, the Tampa Bay got swept last year. By the way, the first team ever to be swept in the playoffs one year and then come back and win the Stanley Cup the next year. But this Tampa Bay team is so good. Mm-hmm that I think if they would have been able to get to the finals last year, they probably would have beaten the Blues. And this was the perfect storm for them because they needed Pat Maroon. They needed that sort of size up front. But I'm glad that the Blues didn't have to play them last year. I I don't think it would have mattered, Randy. It was a team of destiny. It kind of was. It was a team of destiny. (laughs) And here's the thing. Does Tampa Bay even get to have a parade? I don't know. That's a great question. And I thought about that last night because... As cool as it was to watch a celebration, the first celebration and first championship that we've seen mm-hmm. since the pandemic started, I couldn't help but think the entire time, thank goodness the Blues won last year. Right. Because we got such a special moment for our city, for our community, for that team and that organization, for those diehard Blues fans like you who waited <laughs> over 50 years for that moment. And that will always stand apart from everything else in sports that I've ever experienced. And to think that... It went down to the wire in a Game 7 in the Stanley Cup Final last year. And if they would have lost and potentially come back and won this year, and then we don't get that moment, they don't get to celebrate in the manner in which they deserve. The city doesn't get to celebrate the way they want to. never known. Never known. So, you know, everything happens for a reason. And thankfully, the Blues won last year for a reason. We're going to talk about the Cardinal rotation at the bottom of the hour. But yesterday, Mike Schilt did announce that the starters against San Diego in the series that starts tomorrow at 4 o'clock, KK Game 1 wins. Wayno game two, Flaherty game three. <laughs> Jack Flaherty. <laughs> oh, that crazy Irishman. <laughs> if he Flaherty. has an awesome career here, he can open. I'm sure we already have a Flaherty's pub, right? I'm sure. But he can open up somewhere. one that's probably going to get a lot more business. I would imagine. Absolutely. And I never saw The Irishman, the Scorsese movie on Netflix. Have I you have ever never seen watched that? it either. Patrick told me it was great. It's long, yeah. but really good, apparently. When you tell me, hey, settle in, it's going to be three plus hours, yeah. I'm going to say pass, uh, even though I heard it was really good. But I don't know if that, you know, ties into some sort of a nickname there for him, but... 
could be pretty good. That'd be really good. That's a good idea. Even, <laughs> but how great was yesterday? You had we're talking Cardinals postseason, Randy. We're getting mm-hmm. we're getting the the starting rotation set up. You have a championship with the with the St. Louis and another guy that we really love. Our, our first championship in a while. You have a killer Monday night football game. It was great. You have you have baseball playoffs getting ready to start. You have. Uh, you know, the NBA finals on deck. You have a major NBA coaching change yesterday. Yesterday in the sports world felt more like a normal and exciting sports day than we've had in a long time. No doubt. And let's get to the Monday night game because we talked about it yesterday morning. It was supposed to be the game of the year and it wound up being a 30 to 4, 34 to 20 victory for the Chiefs over the Ravens. And Michelle, I was kind of thinking that this would be a game when Baltimore got the kickoff return to make it 13-10. Devin DuVernay in the second quarter, but back comes Patrick Mahomes with a 20-yard touchdown pass to Tyreek Hill. Mahomes looking for Tyreek Hill and he brings it down for the touchdown. Mahomes to Hill. For the Chiefs score, 20 yards. Extra point makes it 20 to 10. And then before the first half was out. There's Mahomes, gets some pressure, man in his face. He's got Hardman wide open for the touchdown. McCall Hardman and Mahomes paid the price. Hit by Marlon Humphrey. Touchdown Chiefs. They are unstoppable at the moment. So good. It's almost unfair. And I, I wonder, you know, you saw him doing the counting, the four, because mm-hmm. he was named the fourth best quarterback in the league. I wonder if that was a statement game for him, even though every game seemingly is a statement game for Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs. But, you know, all this talk about Lamar Jackson and about the MVP battle and, you know, we're having conversations about the MVP of the league. And we're talking about Russell Wilson. We're talking about Aaron Rodgers. We're talking about Josh Allen for crying out loud because Patrick Mahomes has reached a level where he's so good. It's like LeBron almost where you just don't want to consider him all the time year after year. you mm-hmm. want to bring in other names to the conversation and I think last night he was like okay put me forth okay talk about Lamar Jackson all the time we're gonna come out here and show you why I'm the best and why I'm the MVP who's that remind you of based on the documentaries that you saw this summer I gotta go with Michael Jordan he does have a lot of Jordan qualities yeah just finding a chip to put on his shoulder right he does find a chip to put on his shoulder but he's a little bit more um, affable than Michael Jordan. Yeah. You know, you don't really see that intensity and that, um, gosh, what's the word I'm looking for? Vengeance almost uh-huh. out of him because he, he's so friendly and nice. You don't you don't see that sharpness in him uh, on the surface, but it is there. It's definitely there. And his mom tweeted last night when the announcers uh, were uh, on Monday Night Football were calling him Pat. And uh, <laughs> she... She tweeted, if this announcer doesn't stop calling my son Pat, ugh, I may scream, LOL, hashtag help at ESPN NFL at ESPN. So they corrected it, and then she tweeted later that they did start calling her Pat or him Patrick. Well, you wouldn't like it, Randy, if they were calling you Randall. No, I wouldn't. It's stuffy. <laughs> Randall Carriker, back to pass. <laughs> no, I wouldn't go with that. I would not. And... Uh, we had something else. We, oh, the Doc Rivers thing you mentioned. Doc Rivers out as the coach. Do you think uh, of the Clippers, do you think it was Kawhi and Paul George that got him fired? I do. Based on what Kawhi's quotes were after the series loss. I think that locker room had much more fracture and drama in it than we probably knew because it was revealed essentially afterwards when you have guys giving quotes like that publicly and seemingly 
conflicting quotes almost, mm-hmm. pointing different fingers. That's never a good thing. But it just is an organizational thing, I think. It's it's something if I think Doc Rivers is an amazing coach. I really do. And I don't know who they're going to bring in that's going to be able to fix that right away. Because you have a lot of talent. Right. Doc Rivers won with Garnett, Pearson, Allen. Three really strong-willed veteran guys. But also guys that seemed amenable to coaching. Why did Kawhi Leonard want out of San Antonio? Because Greg Popovich is a really strong-willed coach himself. And he wanted a little bit of freedom. He goes to Toronto where... Nick Nurse pretty much allows him to do what he wants. He does play within the system and wins a championship, his second. But then he goes to another place where the, the coach is pretty strong-willed himself and he has a way that he wants the system to be run. Mm-hmm. And Kawhi says, no, this isn't working. Ty Lu, who is a, a, an assistant on that staff, and Woj said today he's probably the favorite to get that job. But look what happened in Cleveland when David Black got fired and LeBron got his guy, who was Ty Lue. I would think that what will happen is that Kawhi will get his guy in Ty Lue and he'll probably be a happier camper. But do you think that'll be enough for them to win? No. I don't think that they have that fierce attitude guy. I think they were in the right place at the right time last year when Durant got hurt. Not last year. Uh, yeah, they, they the Warriors didn't have Durant. Curry got hurt. Thompson got hurt. They, they didn't play the real Warriors. I don't think that that Kawhi Toronto team would have beat the real Warriors. So I think he was in the right place at the right time. I think they need another piece on that team that has the ferocity of a Michael or a Garnett or a LeBron. Yeah. I don't think that they have that ferocious guy. That take the knife, jam it into their eye, into their brain, and kill them right. type attitude? Yeah. Do you... Do you see either George or Kawhi being that guy? They're no. great players, but I don't think that they have that will that those monster, fierce dog guys have. Like a Michael LeBron type? Right. Yeah, no. No. Uh, Jimmy Butler. You know, there's a, a lot of players in the league that he's played with that don't like him because he's too competitive. Why does he go to Miami? Because Pat Riley is that kind of guy and wants that kind of player and Butler fits him perfectly in Miami and let him be himself yeah right just and encourage that sort of mentality the Mamba mentality that's right that's Michelle I'm Randy and that's what's on tap on 101 ESPN next up we're gonna play a little game of what's better on 101 (laughs) ESPN we're right back to the character and Smallman podcast on 101 ESPN All right, we always like to play a little game of what's better. You can text us, 65780. That's the Air Comfort Service text line. And as always, you can use the Rhino Shield mic drop feature. And don't forget to follow us on the socials. Michelle is <laughs> at M. Smallman on the Twitter machine and at the Insta. At the Insta, too. That's right. Yep, and I'm IG as well, at RJ Character. <laughs> and you can follow me on Twitter at Randy Character. You need to be following Randy on Instagram because we're starting the 75 Hard Challenge this week. Hashtag 75 Hard. 
hard. And we're very nervous about it. We've been talking about it a lot. We're basically just going to see who can go the longest. I'm trying to recruit people. I was texting Anthony Stalter last week trying to get him on board. And he said he's got a drink. Yeah, you can't have alcohol for 75 days. He's like, Michelle, I have two kids at a very small age. I'm going to need a cocktail. I'm like, Anthony, <laughs> it's not called 75 kind of easy. It's called 75 hard. I think you can do it. And he goes, well, how about I say that I'm going to do the challenge and then I just drink and don't tell you. And I said, well, That's fine. then you're only cheating yourself. But yes, I want him to get involved. But I'm trying. I'm, I'm texting my goal at Junior. I'm trying to get him involved. Uh, anybody that wants to contribute or participate in this with us, get on board. And St. Louis and Andy Frisella from Supplement Superstore started this. And this is about more than anything else, mental toughness. So it's not kind of easy and it's not about cheating. It's about being able to sustain for 75 days a diet and exercise regimen that will change your life. The worst part about this for me is that one of the workout, you have to do two 45 minute workouts a day and one has to be outside. And of course, I'm a weather wuss. We're getting into fall. We're getting into cold weather. I keep looking at the weather app and it's, you know, low (laughs) 50s sometimes. I'm like, really? So I think I might be, I I probably shouldn't put this energy out there, but I'm probably going to be the first one to dip out just because I'm not going to want to work out outside. Uh, I'll get this started. Michelle, what's better, a diet that includes Schnook's chocolate cupcakes or a (laughs) diet that doesn't include Schnook's chocolate cupcakes? I'm going to say one that includes the chocolate cupcakes because (laughs) it's dark chocolate, right, Randy? Yes, it is. Hard healthy. There you go. (laughs) All right. Tanner Hendrickson is here, and he's got your what's better questions. You you prefer for it when I say what's better. <laughs> I do. I really do. What's better? <laughs> From Tanner, the 314, what's better, playoff baseball or playoff hockey? Ooh. There's nothing better than playoff hockey. As much as I love and adore playoff baseball, when you're actually involved in the games, there is nothing, and I'm talking about nothing better in sports than Stanley Cup playoff hockey. I'm going to go with playoff baseball. Wow. And hear me out, hear me out. Playoff hockey is unlike anything. It's the it's the best playoffs there is, but the emotional and physical toll it takes on you as a fan, it's hard. That's why I love it. Because <laughs> so I can difficult. I can go through an entire baseball playoff series and not have any feelings about the opposition whatsoever. There's never a playoff series in hockey where I don't want to go down and punch one of the members of the opposition. Didn't you not want to punch Brad Marsh and even when the Blues won? I still want to punch yeah. him. I still do. If I saw him on the street, I'd punch him and I'd make him cry again. So that emotional... Actually, I I'm yeah. not a fighter. Not and, a fighter. And I love them. I love them both. And it's, I can visualize right now being at the ballpark oh, in the perfect day come on. at this time of year for playoff baseball. It really doesn't get from a weather standpoint any so better good. than that. But the emotional investment I make in Stanley Cup playoff hockey is what makes it the best for me. But there, and, and maybe it's because we've been so spoiled as Cardinals fans that it's a it's almost a right of a fall for us yeah. to have October 18 baseball. playoff series, Michelle, 18 of them. And that's after the World Series <laughs> when we didn't have playoffs. Thank you. For those who don't know what Randy's talking about, there was a fight question yesterday that uh, <laughs> caused some contention. We'll just say that. But when when the Cardinals advance, when we realized they were going to be in the postseason, you just get a little spring in your step. You pull yes. your jacket out, you, you red jacket that you've had 
had in the closet for a long time. You start thinking about pitching matchups. You start thinking about, okay, we talked about this yesterday. Who's going to be the devil magic guy for the mm-hmm. Cardinals this year? It's just a different feel for playoff baseball. It, it's a tingle. And I always remember this. And this, I always appreciate it. And I always take note of it. I remember when the Cardinals made the playoffs for the first time in nine years in 1996 and they played the Padres here and it was a day like this and I'm down by the batting cage talking to Ken Caminetti and (laughs) I said, how you doing? He said, I'm fired up and I'm feeling all tingly and I said, man, how can you not be fired up? about something like this. He said, you're exactly right. Right. How how can you not be fired up about this? How can you not? I'll never forget in in 2011 going to the World Series and it was so cold that year. It was so cold. Getting a hot chocolate and by the time I got to my seat, it was cold. There's nothing like that. No, it's great. It's great. What's better, having a hat trick in game six of the Stanley Cup Finals to help your team win it or having a shutout like Vasilevsky did last night? I'm going gold all day, every day. I think so. Yeah, that is going to be remembered. The hat trick is going to be remembered. While the shutout is great, I don't recall any goalie that clinched a Stanley Cup with a shutout right off the top of my head. I can tell you that I would remember a hat trick to win it. Also, if you're the person involved in this, when you score a goal, there's instant payoff. There's instant gratification. Mm-hmm. You get the horn. You get the celebration with your teammates. You get that moment. Whereas if, it, if you're the goalie, you don't get that till the end. And it's not the same, at least for me. What's better, Gatorade or vitamin water? I would go with Gatorade. Vitamin water, and that was owned by 50 Cent, right? That's and he right. sold it and made billions of dollars That's off right. of it. That's right. That's right. That's super fattening. Not that Gatorade isn't, but vitamin water is like surprisingly shocking because it's called water. Uh, <laughs> and vitamins. Super fattening. So I would go with Gatorade because Gatorade does have a redeeming quality and that it provides electrolytes when you're dehydrated. Few things more satisfying. I would say on a hot day, a crisp iced tea is up there, but few things more satisfying than when you're working out or you're playing a sport and you get that first taste of a le- of a cold lemon-lime Gatorade. Mm-hmm. Amazing. I'm not a lemon-lime. I'm totally a red Gatorade guy. Red? Yeah. I thought yeah. you were going to go Blue Ice, or what's that one called? Blue Ice is good. Glacier? So, yeah, it's uh, <laughs> like when people say, hey, we're, when I'm saying the Blues are going to win the Stanley Cup last year, oh, Randy, you're drinking the red Kool-Aid. And I said, no, red, or, or the, the blue Kool-Aid. Blue, no, blue Gatorade. And, and so I, and I was. I do drink it. And, and the Blue Glacier is delicious. But for <laughs> me, it's just an automatic. If it's 105 degrees and I'm playing golf and the cart comes around, would you like something to drink? Yeah, red Gatorade, please. Just automatic. You know, not to disrespect any of the flavors, but orange Gatorade, trash. Yeah, not a fan. Bad. And I I like orange stuff generally. Me too. Me too. But not Gatorade. I don't know why. What's better, a 2020 Cardinals World Series or the 2019 Blue Stanley Cup? All due respect to the COVID World Series. <laughs> All due respect. Which would be the 12th, by the way, for the Cardinals. 12 um, and 20. Yeah. I, uh, I would have to go with that Stanley Cup. That was... That was awesome. That was like one of the top three or four moments for me. I think that one and then the Rams winning the 99 Super Bowl. And this is no affront to the Cardinals. It's actually a compliment to the Cardinals that we're so used to the Cardinals winning world championships. Yeah, generations of winning. Yeah, that it's that's expected. And so when the Rams won the Super Bowl or the Blues won the Stanley Cup, it was totally out of the blue and unexpected. 
There are interesting parallels, though, between the 2019 Blues and the 2020 Cardinals. While the obstacles were different, they still both had to overcome mm-hmm. a lot of odds and a lot of hurdles to get there. Somebody will have to. I don't I don't have a ton of confidence, but I must say I didn't have a ton of confidence in 06. I didn't have a ton of I didn't have any confidence. I counted the Cardinals out on my birthday. On August 19th of 2011, I said there was a 0% chance <laughs> of the Cardinals making the playoffs. Yeah. I'm not saying they're going to win the World Series. I'm saying to this yeah. point yeah. as they approach this playoff series with San Diego, they've had to overcome a lot to get there and that's exactly what the 2019 and Blues had to do. They deserve a ton of credit for doing that. What's better, a home-cooked meal or fast food? This is easy, isn't it? Home-cooked meal. Yeah, absolutely. Because generally a home-cooked meal is cooked with love. That's right. And Biggest uh, ingredient. If you're going to take the time and trouble to cook at home, there's going to be some nutritional value included. For the most part, if you get fast food, there is not going to be nutritional value included. Like when I put together a home-cooked meal, I've got my protein, I've got my starch, <laughs> I've got my vegetable. I make sure that... A lot of things are covered, but I don't have a lot of processed stuff in a home-cooked meal. If a home-cooked meal is cooked with love, is a fast-food meal cooked with disdain? No, it's cooked with uh, benign neglect. <laughs> Somebody that just doesn't care one right. way or the other. Cooked it's, with apathy? It, yeah. It, they, it's not like the person that makes it is angry or upset. Maybe they are. But for the most part, I think it's, oh, here's another burger or here's right. another chicken sandwich. They really, you're, they don't care. Apathy is the perfect word. Yeah, so I'm going to take a meal cooked with love over one cooked with apathy <laughs> so, all yeah. day, every day. Here, brought to you and made with apathy. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Tanner. Thank you. For your text to the Air Comfort Service text line 65780. Uh, from the 3014, Randy may remember this iced tea flavored Gatorade. I do not recall. Ooh, and I am the person that doesn't like iced tea. What? I don't, I don't like the flavor of iced tea. I never drink, order, have any contact with iced tea. I don't, I'm at a loss for words. I don't. How I can you not like, like iced tea? I would prefer water. Do you like an Arnold Palmer? No, I'll take lemonade, but not an Arnold Palmer either. So when you're golfing and it's hot outside, you would not get an ice cold iced tea. No, totally. It's Propel or water or wow. Gatorade. If it's like if it's super hot, I'll get uh, one of those energy drinks, either Powerade or Gatorade. A crisp iced tea on a hot day is one of the great joys in my life. Is it really? I really, I love iced tea. I prefer a cu- just a cup of ice without anything too. <laughs> I really do. I go to the mobile on the run up here. And I get a cup. They know me now because I come in and get a cup of ice. <laughs> you just jump on ice. I suck it, and it melts in my mouth. Wow. Yeah, that's a good way to have water, isn't it? Hydration is key. Yeah. Next up on Carriker and Smallman, the Cardinals have set their rotation for the playoffs. Are you happy with it? That's next on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast on 101 ESPN. Michelle, yesterday, the Cardinal skipper, Mike Schilt, was on high heat with Chris Russo on MLB Network. And he revealed the Cardinals' rotation for this series against the Padres and said it'd be KK and then Flaherty and then Wayno. And then later in the day, the Cardinals released that it'd be KK, Wayno, and Flaherty. I don't have any problem with either way 
this is set up. I like the idea of KK starting game one. And here's the reason that they did what they did with Flaherty, who will pitch game three if there is one. If there isn't one, Flaherty is there to pitch game one of the NLCS, or the, or the next, I guess the division series, the next round. Whereas if you go with a two-game series and you pitch Flaherty and Wayno, it's KK in game three, and you don't know who your opponent is going to be. I love the way that they set this up. I do too. I think KK has proven to be such an asset to this team, and this is why they brought him here. This is what he was supposed to be, a a great starting pitcher for this team. And given what we've seen out of him, I love him getting the ball in game one. And then for game two, who do you want more in a scenario where either your back is against the wall or it's a clinching game than than Adam Wainwright? There's nobody on this staff that you would want to have the ball more in a moment that matters one way or another, or you need a boost to even things up or to to take it home than a guy like Adam Wainwright. He's the guy for me that you absolutely have to put in that second game. And so while I, I understand the thought process of maybe saving him and not necessarily using him in that game, I love that they switched it up and they put him there. You might think that because of Tatis and Machado that the Padres would just kill left-handers. Actually, against left-handers, they have a 761 OPS. Against right-handed pitchers, an 815 OPS. So the numbers dictate that you start KK as well. And I can't imagine that he's going to be affected by the stage. Can you? He is such a calm guy, and he's pitched in big games already this year at the major league level. I can't imagine that with everything that he's been through this year that he's going to be affected by pitching in the playoffs. No, he seems like such a mentally tough guy. He's already gone through so much. I don't expect him to be rattled in any sense of the word. Meanwhile, it'll be interesting to see how the Cardinals perform against a Padres team that obviously had a great year and is probably a little bit ahead of schedule. Here's the Cardinal manager. Yeah, you know, it's a talented group. Obviously, you saw that last year when we did play them. To your point, haven't seen them this year. We're familiar with some of their pieces, um, having been in the organization with uh, Greg Garcia and Tommy Pham and Trevor Rosenthal. So we, we know those guys, and, you know, we follow them during the course of the year, clearly. But, you know, a very, very um, talented group that it looks like they put it together. You could see them putting it together last year, and, and uh, they've done a nice job. And, you know, they're a balanced ball club. And, and um, But we, uh, we're excited, and we're getting prepared to, to take on the uh, – a great opportunity to, to compete against them. They are very talented. They have some injuries at the front of their rotation with Denilson Lamette, who came up late and pitched really well, and then Mike Clevenger, their late acquisition from Cleveland, he's hurt as well. So it looks like, unless something happens with the health of those two, that Chris Paddock would start game one. He had a really good year as well for San Diego. But they're built on their lineup and the money that they spent on Hosmer and Machado and then bringing up Fernando Tatis Jr. They've got a lot of thunder in that lineup. You feel confident with the Cardinals pitching going against that lineup, but I, do you feel the same way as you did heading into last postseason that you know your pitching is going to be there, you know the pitching is going to carry you, but you're concerned about the offense, right? Right, and because of the up-and-down nature of this team, I really don't have any idea what to expect. Getting back to nine-inning games, mm-hmm. I, I don't know what to expect on a regular basis. I I honestly don't know what to expect from Jack Flaherty right now. Right. Because I don't either. When we went into the playoffs last year, you knew that Jack Flaherty was going to be aces. And you kind of had some questions about Wayno. I feel opposite this year. I feel great about Wainwright <laughs> pitching in the playoffs, but I don't know what to expect from Flaherty. 
He's had some tough outings, and his his most recent outing that was strong was still versus the Pirates. And I know a lot of people are going to look at that and say, well, I think a lot of people would pitch well against the Pittsburgh Pirates right. team. But it it does seem like something may have had been off with him a little bit. He had pitch count restrictions. There was there was some stuff he was dealing with, but hopefully he's he's rested, he's unleashed, and he's ready to go if they need him in a game three. Now, San Diego has not had great success. They haven't been to the playoffs since 06, but the players that they have that have played in the playoffs, Hosmer obviously on a world championship team, but Machado hasn't been a very good playoff player. Tommy Pham has had his moments, but doesn't have a ton of postseason experience. Cardinals obviously played last year in the postseason. Mike Schilt, does that present the Cardinals an advantage? Yeah, of course. Yeah. I mean, we've actually, you know, we've been in playoff mode, um, since we came out of that quarantine. And I think everybody's in it to some degree this year, right, with it being a sprint situation. But, you know, we knew if we didn't come out of that and um, and play well, you know, we were going to have an already uphill battle that was going to get really a lot steeper. So we've been in, in competition grind, get it done mode, you know, for pretty much the last, you know, six weeks. So nothing changes there. The group's um, mentally, physically tough. Um, you know, we're as healthy as, I guess, anybody, of course, Dakota. You know, we lost him, unfortunately, um, to a Tommy John surgery he actually had right. this morning and it went well. But, yeah, we're ready to go. We'll get after it. And, um, you know, we'll, we'll just take as it comes and, you know, we'll, we'll compete and figure it out a way to win, too. Not only do the Cardinals have that playoff pedigree, I mean, when you have guys like Yadier Molina and Adam Wainwright leading the charge who have done this many times and they are going to set the tone, that's one thing. But to Mike Schilk's point, they've had a sense of urgency since they've gotten out of this quarantine. They've been on the sprint of all sprints. This season has been a sprint for every team, but the Cardinals and the Marlins have had a different sort of feel to their mm-hmm. schedule. And I think that does benefit them, that they've had a sense of urgency already in place and they've had a certain sense of momentum already in place and the thing is now that you have a couple of days off to decompress are you going to be able to maintain that momentum that's a problem that a team like this that like mike said they've been in playoff mode literally for a month do they decompress a little bit because they've got a couple of days off I don't know if a couple of days off will affect them that much. If anything, I I hope it gives their bodies some much needed rest. But from a mental standpoint, I think you might just pick up where you left off. It could it could be a detriment, but I think when you've been doing that for weeks and weeks and weeks, it just kind of feels like okay, the next game is up. Let me give you the scary padre for me, and we'll okay. talk more about this over the course of the next couple of days. Obviously, Machado and Tatis are the two guys that you think about first and foremost there. But Will Myers was supposed to be a great player with three different organizations, winds up with the Padres, and finally, in the 60-game schedule, breaks out 15 homers, 40 RBIs, and a 9.59 OPS. He hit 288. Will Myers might be that guy that if you're a pitcher, you say, okay, got past Tatis and Machado, and... You think you have a breather, but you don't. Be careful of Will Myers. He could be a sneaky X-factor in this. Absolutely. That's Michelle. I'm Randy. Cards and Padres game one tomorrow at 4, and you can see the game on ESPN2. Next up, get your text in. Air Comfort Service text line 65780. Take it or leave it. Coming your way on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast on 101 ESPN. Take it or leave it. Give us your feedback now by texting 65780. It's Take It or Leave It with Carriker and Smallman on 101 ESPN.
Get your text into the Air Comfort Service text line 65780, and Tanner will have your Teolis for us. We'll get things started. Michelle, I don't think anybody except Twins fans probably realize that the Twins have lost 16 consecutive postseason games. <laughs> 16 playoff games in a row that the Twins have lost, and outside of the Twin Cities, probably America doesn't care. However, this year, with that 16-game losing streak, the Twins are playing the hated Houston Astros. Take it or leave it, America's baseball fan will be rooting hard for the Twins in this postseason. Take it. That's one thing that we can all rally behind is cheering yeah. against the Astros. Yeah. And even though they lost Cole and Verlander isn't there, you've still got Bregman to root against, and you've still got Altuve and Springer. You've got all those... Uh, insufferable Astros players to root against. So I'm going to be rooting against Houston. I think everybody is. Yeah. So go Twins. Go Twins. This is a, a <laughs> Twins, a pro Twins radio show. Absolutely. Okay, Randy, we mentioned it at the top of the show. Doc Rivers out with the Clippers, but he hasn't been sitting still for long. Reports out there that he's already gotten phone calls from the 76ers and the Pelicans. Take it or leave it. If you're Doc Rivers, that Pelicans job is more attractive than the 76ers job. Take it 100%. I have real, well, I know that Joel Embiid is always hurt. Mm -hmm. And I have real questions about Ben Simmons becoming a real superstar. He can't shoot, can't shoot, he doesn't shoot threes. I think Zion can become a superstar. Right. I think Ingram really turned into Brandon Ingram when they who they got from the Lakers turned into a really good player. I still have hopes for Lonzo Ball to become a decent player. His dad is kind of out of the mix with him in New Orleans. Thank goodness. Yeah, Josh Hart. They got some pretty nice pieces in the AD trade with the Lakers. I like the future of the Pelicans a lot better than I like the future of the Sixers. You've got a young, malleable superstar in Zion and. Where they are as a team, there's less pressure mm-hmm. on somebody like yeah. Doc than there is. Whoever fills that Clippers job, the pressure is on right away. You have to win right away for it to be considered a success, most likely, right? right. I think the same thing about Philadelphia. Whatever change happens there, the people have been trusting the process for a yeah. long time now, and it hasn't worked out. So there's going to be a lot of pressure to win there. And I do think if Embiid were regularly healthy, there probably wouldn't be an opening there. The fact that he's hurt is a big part of the reason that they lose in the playoffs. Tanner, what do you got for us? Well, when I get home today while I'm eating lunch, I'm going to catch up on the NFL and watch some highlights. Take it or leave it. Prime time with Chris Berman is the best way to watch NFL highlights. I have never watched the online version of prime time. Never. Not once. <laughs> When's it, did it come back last year? With he, and this year is he and Booger doing it. Yeah, I'm going to leave that because to me it's red zone. Yeah, it's Pretty good way to do it. If you're going to watch any highlights, the the touchdown montage on Red Zone is the best. I would have to go with that. Yeah, good call. So uh, I I must abstain here because I've never seen prime time. Prime time. When when we watch the Rams and it would be such bad football, it would just be a miserable Sunday. That was always a nice way to end a Sunday was watch other teams score. Yeah, and you never had to worry about the Rams getting into the red zone to get on to red zone. That's right. From the 618, take it or leave it, Tommy Pham will have a big series against the Cardinals. Oh. I think I'm going to leave it. Really? A, Mike Schultz knows how to pitch him, and B, he's been terrible. Just awful this year. You get the latest on Tommy for you because it's been an abysmal season. I When I talked about Will Myers being scary, 
I had to completely throw Tommy Pham out because he's been such a disappointment for them. And he was hurt for a big portion of the year. This season, Pham hit 211 with a 624 OPS. Three homers, 12 RBIs. Yikes. It's, he'd fit right in with the Cardinals. <laughs> Take it or leave it. The Blues should explore signing Bobby Ryan regardless if Petro comes back. Yeah, I'll take that. You need a right winger with Vladdy out. And he's a guy that's capable of being a top nine winger. I think he's an interesting guy. Bought out by Ottawa. Big guy who's had success in the past. Yeah, I I would explore that if I were the Blues. The price is right, right? Right. Yeah, about a million and a half, two million dollars. You don't know what you're going to get out of Cairo. You've got Perron in there. I think one of the problems that the Blues have right now is for a long time, for example, they had four years ago, they had the best collection of left wings in the league with Schwartz, Steen, and Fabry. Well, Fabry didn't work out. Mm-hmm. Steener's not what he was four or five years ago. Schwartz, he's still a really good player. So Schwartz, he's the only guy you can really count on on left wing. Sanford and Blay may or may not turn out to be good. But now with Tarasenko hurt on right wing, you've got David Perron. That's it. So you need to add to that talent level on the top six. People that are more accountable. People that you can count on more. Yeah, adding some depth there, not a bad thing. What an interesting offseason for for Doug Armstrong. Yeah. A lot of questions for him. A lot of moves that he's having to weigh. And I think one of the interesting things for the Blues is, when I talk about right wing, you desperately want to have Robert Thomas as a center, but you already have... Shen and O'Reilly at center. So do you move Thomas up to your top six and put him back at right wing? That could be something that you do too. From the 636, take it or leave it, this World Series championship will still be more legitimate than the ones from 2017 and 2018. Oh, take it. Yeah, you got to take that. Yeah. We're talking about the cheaters? Yeah. yeah. 2017, no chance of that being legit. And I'll go with 2018. Heck, a manager lost his job over it and a team was docked a lot of money over it. So I'm going to take that, that the Astros and Red Sox championships are forever tainted. Let's throw 2004 into the mix as well. (laughs) I'm into that. Um, I don't know why people wouldn't consider this legitimate. Yes, it's a shortened season, but based on the parameters that they had to work with, this champion is very legitimate. It's a different season for sure, but they've had to overcome a lot to get there. Whoever wins had to go through a lot to get there. So I would never call this champion not illegitimate. And nobody's ever had to win four series to win the world championship. And this year you do. You have to win four. From the 618, the Pittsburgh Steelers will take it or leave. The Pittsburgh Steelers will win the AFC North. I picked the other day my Steelers as the last undefeated team. And this is a hard projection to make after three games. But I'm going to take it. Are you? Yeah. Yeah, they're, they're I'm still going to go with the Ravens. Ravens are really good. That's You talk about rivalries. That's a great rivalry in football is the, the Ravens-Steelers rivalry. I am taking Pittsburgh because I think Big Ben is back. Okay. I'm, I'm, I and feel comfortable picking the Ravens. Their defense is good. They've got depth, and they, they, they've been doing it literally now for 50 years. Since 1970, the Steelers have been doing it for 50 years now. It's amazing. That is amazing. The Fox game of the week last Sunday was the Cowboys and Seahawks in a shootout. Take it or leave it. That's a preview of the NFC Championship game. Yeah, I'm going to leave that. 
Uh, my prediction would be that nobody from the NFC East makes it to the NFC Championship game. That's a pretty good bet. I would take Tampa before I would take the Cowboys to make the NFC Championship game. Green Bay. I was going to say, I might throw the Packers in the mix there. They're playing really well. Really Rodgers well. is playing really well. Yeah, he is. Thank you, Tanner. Thank you. And thanks for your text to the Air Comfort Service text line 65780. Are the Cardinals a World Series contender? And with her Pat Maroon, should the Blues try to bring, bring that free agent back? That's next on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast on 101 ESPN. <laughs> Fresh perspective on the day's biggest stories. It's Carriker and Smallman's Fresh Take. Brought to you by Schnooks. Get the app that gets you. Download the Schnooks Rewards app today. Jewelers and officially licensed Rolex jeweler, Michelle and Randy with you. And congratulations to our town's Pat Maroon. He collects his second consecutive Stanley Cup ring, and he'll get his name on the Stanley Cup for a second consecutive year. Hometown hero, baby! <laughs> Coming away with another Stanley Cup. Good Congrats for him. to the big yeah. bag. Absolutely. I was thinking about this last night, Randy. If I could have any local professional athlete's career... I might pick Pat Maroon, and you might think that's crazy. But think about what he's accomplished over the past two years. He was the hometown hero baby who has one of, if not the most important goal in St. Louis Blues franchise history. He was a big part of the reason that the Blues were able to hoist their first Stanley Cup champion, or their first Stanley Cup acquire their first Stanley Cup championship in history. Then he goes somewhere else, wins back-to-back Stanley Cup champions. You know, they always talk about, would you rather be a Hall of Fame player or a champion? I'm going to pick a champion all day, every day. And he has two of them. And he's always going to be a guy that he, he didn't have the pressure of being the big star, but a guy that contributed in meaningful ways and when it matters in the postseason for both of these teams to win championships. I don't know. I think he had a, a heck of a career, and I might pick his over a lot of other athletes that have come out of St. Louis. I'm with you on the pressure that David Freeze endured, although that moment is going to be etched in our minds forever. So is Maroon's goal against Dallas. But I think if I were going to pick one, if I could pick a, a St. Louis athlete career, and you can weigh in on this if you want with a Rhino Shield mic drop or via the Air Comfort Service text line 65780, I think I might go with Mike Shannon. Got to play in three World Series, won a couple of championships, obviously iconic in the area, one of the great athletes ever to come out of St. Louis. People say that he could have won the Heisman Trophy as a quarterback at Mizzou. Obviously, he didn't play football, but he's a guy that grew up in St. Louis dreaming of playing for the Cardinals, played for him, and then been a part of the organization since the 50s. So for almost 60 years, pretty incredible. Pretty good one. I think I'm still going with Pat Maroon because there's a certain set of expectations and pressure that comes with putting on the birds on the bat Mm -hmm. with being a St. Louis Cardinal. When we covered the parade last year, I got to walk around with Pat Maroon for that stretch right by the arch, and people were throwing him beers out of the crowd. He was catching them with one hand. He was shoving a key in them, and he was shotgunning beers and walking around. He was just so personable and accessible. He just got to be himself, and I think when you're a member of the St. Louis Cardinals organization, you're unfairly put on a pedestal, and an unattainable pedestal at that. And the great thing for Patrick Maroon is that he acts like there's no such thing as social media. Yes. Mike Shannon didn't have to deal with that at all. That's right. And that's probably a pretty good move on the part of Pat Maroon. 
hey, I scored the game-winning goal to eliminate Dallas. <laughs> I won the Stanley Cup. It doesn't matter what you put up on social media about me. I am a hometown hero, and I know it. But everything he did was so endearing. Yeah, you know him well, oh, slamming right, yeah. him slamming beers like that was endearing. We loved it as right. Blues fans. If if a Cardinals player did that, it would be like, oh my gosh, did you see Randy Carricker on the parade? He was wasted. Yeah, that's <laughs> right. It's like the big rig can party with the best of them. Yep. It's the narrative changes when you're a hockey player. I think so. Yeah, it, it depends on who you are. But you're right. I think because of what the Cardinals are. You know, they're this classy, above everything organization. I don't think that you can do, you can't have somebody being Gronk. You can't have somebody right. uh, doing what you're doing, chugging beers and stuff. <laughs> you're exactly right. It, it, it would not, just doesn't fit into the Cardinal way, does it? No, and then they got to go to Vegas. They have the cup at a pool party. <laughs> Plus he gets to, to party with the cup two times. Yeah. I'm, I feel great with my pick here. I that's really a, do. That's a really good pick. You can weigh in. We also want to talk about the Cardinals. They have the second worst odds to win the World Series. And this is a bracket, Michelle. So we know that if the Cardinals win this series against San Diego, they are going to play the Dodgers or the Brewers. We know that they're going to play the Dodgers in the next round. So I don't like the Cardinals' chances here. I, <laughs> I like this club, and they have interested me during the course of the season but they aren't as good as the Dodgers and they aren't going to beat the Dodgers so I'll do respect to the club those odds are probably correct all that being said like I said earlier I did completely eliminate the Cardinals from contention in 2011 and in 2006 USA Today and it might have been friend of the show Bob Nightingale picked the Tigers to win the best of seven world series in three Wow. That's how much of a favorite the Tigers were. So, yes, you can't count them out. <laughs> and and based on playoff history, the Cardinals, when the odds are stacked against them, have oftentimes risen to the occasion, and the Dodgers, when expectations were placed on them, have failed. So, yes, it's not outside of the realm of possibility that the Cardinals could get to that point and the Dodgers could choke again and the Cardinals could have devil magic again. But, yeah, on paper, looking at it, I'm definitely picking the Dodgers. You're definitely saying, not a great matchup for the Cardinals. No, but there's a lot of... Are you picking any team other than the Dodgers no, to win? I'm not. Right. No, and... For a team that's choked as much as they have, would you be surprised if they would choke again? Not at all. Not in the least bit. I just don't think it's going to be against the Cardinals. That's all. <laughs> right. <laughs> we have some great texts. Uh, one from the 314, another one from the 636. Have to go with Yogi Berra. And I brought that name up as we prepared for this segment. Yogi had an unbelievable career and did pretty much anything he wanted in New York, New Jersey. You talk about a local athlete that had it going, Yogi did. And you get free food on the hill anytime you want. Anytime you want. Yeah, it's a pretty good pick. That's a good pick. Another name that came up, JoJo White. Seven All-Star games, a couple of championships with the Celtics, one of the all-time greats. Yeah, that's a good one, too. We also have, uh, from the 314, Jackie Joyner-Kersey. JJK, great pick. Greatest female athlete and arguably the greatest athlete ever. Yes. No, there's no doubt about her fitting in at the top of the echelon among female athletes. But in terms of overall athletes, she's in the conversation. She certainly is. And to be able to represent your country too, a completely different feel. Yeah. Another one that came up, and this is from the 309, Jason Tatum may be the best in a few years. 
and probably will be the highest paid athlete ever from St. Louis within the next couple of years, right? Yes. But until he wins a championship, not in the conversation for me. You got to win a champ, but he can't win a championship for St. Louis. True. But I'm saying the reason Just, you have to win a championship, you have to win a championship. Okay. Don't you think? Well, everybody we've talked about would has won championships. Yeah. yeah. From the 217, I'm a golfer, so I would have to throw in Hale Irwin. Hale Irwin's a great call and also made a lot of money and won championships. And if he wants to, could still play. Interesting that I'm reading the text line and I'm seeing no one pick David Freeze. A lot of pressure. A lot of pressure. Yeah. Jimmy Connors from East St. Louis from 314. He had a pretty awesome career. So there's a lot of great ones. And uh, there was one other one. Oh, Bill Bradley from Crystal City. Somebody pointed out he'd be a good one. There, are, We have a lot of great athletes come out of St. Louis. Steve Atwater, now a Hall of Famer, two-time Super Bowl champion, would be another one that you could throw in there. That's Michelle. I'm Randy, and this is 101 ESPN. Next up, Mike Renner is lead NFL analyst for Pro Football Focus. We're going to talk some NFL with him next on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast on 101 ESPN. <laughs> With Michelle Smallman, I'm Randy Carricker. Good to have you with us on 101 ESPN. And we go to the Brown and Crouppen Celebrity Line. The lead draft analyst for Pro Football Focus is Mike Renner. And he's with us on the Brown and Crouppen Celebrity Line on 101 ESPN in St. Louis. Mike, good to have you with us. Thanks for your time today. How are you? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me on. Well, let's start with this from a draft perspective, and we'll get to the NFL. But uh, one of the guys that we're kind of taking a look at here at uh, in Missouri is the linebacker uh, for the Tigers, uh, uh, who had a good game against Alabama. And uh, we, we just want to know what you're thinking so far of Mizzou. Uh, did you get an opportunity to see much of them again in the game against Alabama? And what did you think of the first game for Eli Drinkwitz? I haven't gone back and reviewed uh, that game necessarily, okay. but I have watched a lot of Nick Bolton over the yeah. And I'm not surprised that he had a good game against Alabama because to me, he's probably the best linebacker in the country this year with, you know, Micah Parsons not playing this season. So uh, what we saw from him as a sophomore was fantastic. He's not a super elite athlete. He's not an Isaiah Simmons caliber of athlete, but he's more than athletic enough to succeed in the NFL. So uh, to me, he's a first round type of linebacker and, yeah, he did have uh, himself a fairly good game this past week against Alabama. Mike, let's talk about Monday Night Football last night. You had the very anticipated Lamar Jackson-Patrick Mahomes matchup. It was exciting for a bit, but obviously Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs just are, are unbelievable right now. They keep trying to make this a rivalry where they're saying Patrick Mahomes and Lamar Jackson can be the new great rivalry in the NFL. What do you think about that? Yeah, it seems like every time they get together, though, uh, the Chiefs come out on top. I, I, it's obviously a rivalry because they're both in the same you know, conference. Both have MVPs already at this point. But I, I do just think they play such drastically different styles that uh, this ain't Brady versus Manning. Uh, I do think when the Ravens you know, can't play with a lead, they are a vastly different team. They are just not a team built to come from behind, and that's kind of the worry with how they've completely assembled this roster. And, uh, you know, their offense coordinator, Greg Roman, even said he wants to see what they look like when they have to play from behind. He wants to see, you know, how his team responds. Uh, and that wasn't good. They did not respond well on Monday night. They did not look 
like a competent passing offense. Lamar Jackson didn't even pass for 100 yards against a defense that it's not super talented. The Chiefs defense, you know, they do a lot of different things. They have Tyron Matthew in the back end, but they are not a very complete defense across the board. They've been exposed at times, uh, you know, this season even. So I am a little worried about uh, the Ravens if they do have to play from behind. So I don't really see it as this great rivalry just yet. The Ravens obviously are great when they're ahead and they can run the ball. But I really did expect that Jackson was going to throw the ball better last night. And he didn't get a lot of help from his receivers either. Andrews had a couple of drops. Do you envision, as a a guy who watches players develop, do you envision Lamar Jackson becoming a guy that can throw his team back into a game? I truthfully don't, just because of where he attacks on the football field. A lot a good deal of his passing production is right over the middle of the field, behind the linebackers, in front of the safeties. And that's an area of the field that you can attack when teams have to worry about the run, when teams have to bring an extra guy into the box. But when teams can play too deep on you, teams can not have to worry about that rushing threat nearly as much. And you have to push it out to the sideline, out you know deeper throws. He just hasn't responded well in those situations at any point over the course of his career. That was his MO at Louisville also. Uh, was throwing outside the numbers. He was just a different guy. So I, I don't think from what we've seen so far he's going to be, uh, but he has exceeded my expectations in a number of different areas. So, And he is still very much a young quarterback in only year three. Mike, the Bills are sitting there undefeated at 3-0. and Are you buying on them, or do you think that's a little bit of fool's gold? I'm buying on them because they've been a top-five defense the last two years. Like when Josh Allen's been in there, that's why they made the playoffs last year. And now they have one of the best receiving cores in the NFL. Like the John Brown and Stefan Diggs is a very difficult wide receiver tandem to match up with because of what both can do in terms of winning down the football field. We have two guys that, you know, basically will expose a weaker cornerback if left on an island one-on-one down the football field. You just, you have to play them differently. And we've seen Josh Allen's ability to buy time with his legs. Uh, make plays outside the pocket and obviously throw the ball down the football field. Uh, I'm definitely buying on them. And I think what Brian Dable has done, their offense coordinator, uh, is really play to the strengths of Josh Allen and, and the talent they have offensively with a lot of double moves on the outside, a lot of deeper, uh, deeper routes and longer developing plays that I think they have the personnel to run. So, yeah, I'm in on the Bills this year. Mike Renner, Pro Football Focus, with us on 101 ESPN. And, Mike, I mentioned yesterday, I don't think the NFL plays defense anymore. And it's interesting that we have these conversations when we talk about Lamar and Patrick Mahomes and Josh Allen, and we really don't mention defense anymore. Is there a team out there that can win because of its defense? I mean, the Patriots. If you have Bill Belichick as defense coordinator, you're going to be able to win because of your defense. After that, I would say the Chargers, but they just don't have anything offensively. Like they don't have nearly enough. They just don't have a quarterback at this point. If they were, if they would have gotten in on Cam Newton, we'd be talking about them as a team that could win on with their defense. But I don't see a rookie quarterback leading up to anything at this point. So, yeah, there's just not a lot of good defenses. The sort of spread revolution in college has made its way to the NFL, and we've seen how difficult it is for college defenses. And now I think NFL defenses are learning that as well. It's amazing. We, we had 15 teams score 30 or more points this weekend, almost half the league. Yeah. And it, like I said, there's just no one who on a consistent weekly basis is going to be able to just, you know, rely on that to win games. Mike, what are you seeing out of Carson Wentz? A lot of people trying to diagnose what's wrong with him, but from your evaluation, what are you seeing out of him? He's just 
so inaccurate, but like something, I, I don't know what went wrong there in terms of mentally, but he's missing, missing more throws than any other quarterback in the NFL by far. I, I don't know if it's, he doesn't, he's not comfortable with his receivers and that has to be some of it because he's targeting his two tight ends who he obviously has rapport with and Dallas Goddard and Zach Ertz. They're on pace for both over a hundred targets this year, which is just crazy to think about that two tight ends on the same team would get a hundred targets. That's just not how you want to run an offense in the NFL today. You want to be throwing to receivers. You want to be throwing down the football field. So I don't think one, he trusts his receivers and two, he just, he's so erratic and his full works all over the place. I just think after three weeks of it now, uh, there's some serious issues going down in Philly. I, I would not be, I don't think they're going to be fixed anytime soon. When you look at that staff that they won the Super Bowl with, his quarterback's coach was John DeFilippo. His offensive coordinator was Frank Reich. Those guys are gone now. I wonder if the attention to detail that those assistants provided to Carson Wentz has eluded the Eagles now. Yeah, I mean, there has to be some of that because that was an issue last year with just them not being on the same page. And a lot of it was you know having young receivers as well. But I do think there's some of he's had a ton of injuries. Like, like mm-hmm. your body just isn't the same, and back injuries too. Places where you would not like to have injuries as a quarterback in the NFL and knee injuries. And so I do think there's some of his body might just not be the quarterback we saw when he was you know almost an MVP back in what 2017. Hey, Mike, one more thing about the draft coming up, and I'll go back to the Jamal Adams trade, and one of the reasons the Seahawks felt comfortable in giving up a number, a couple of number ones is because they thought it was going to be so difficult to evaluate this year. Now that you have pretty much everybody coming back and at least playing some games, is there going to be enough good information so that the coming draft in 2021 will be typical in terms of evaluation? I think so, and especially for SEC and now Big Ten with the games they're playing because uh, when you go back and watch a guy, you're not watching them play at the Citadel. You know, the games they canceled aren't the games you're going back and watching usually. Now, for non-Power 5 teams, I think they got screwed a little bit. Guys like Trey Lance from North Dakota State, uh, smaller schools, they're going to, you know, their showcase games were those early year ones where they were probably getting blown out, but they are facing, you know, the best competition they'll face all year. So they kind of get screwed. They need some help in terms of like a senior bowl, longer combine, whatever. But I do think that this year with everyone at least playing, what, five-plus games, six games, I think you'll get the, the quality games and the quality tape that you would have relied on more uh, in the past anyways. And did anybody who opted to not play in 2020, do you think they've hurt their draft stock at all by not playing? I think there are a handful of guys uh, that probably overplayed their hand in terms of how high they thought they were going to go. Someone like Jamie Newman, the Georgia quarterback who transferred from Wake Forest, opting out to prepare for the draft. I I think he is hurting himself by that. Um, The vast majority were already considered elite prospects are going to go top 10, 15, no matter what they would have done. So uh, I do think that most of those guys didn't need much to prove. But I think anyone can always improve a draft stock. And you're always going to rely most on the tape the year before. So if you have a choice between a guy who just dominated this year, you know, looked great on the football field, played all fall, and a guy who didn't, you might be leaning towards the guy who played. You're probably going to be leaning towards the guy who played most recently. Mike Renner, great stuff. Thanks so much for taking some time, and we advise everybody to check out Pro Football Focus, uh, PFF.com. It's great. Thank you. 
For sure. Thanks for having me. Have a good one. Take care. That is Mike Renner, Pro Football Focus on 101 ESPN. Michelle, I want to go back to something we were talking about right off the top and talking about the abilities of a guy like Lamar Jackson and his ability to throw a team back into a game. No doubt that Patrick Mahomes can do that. We are such prisoners of the moment, though, <laughs> and we're talking about how Patrick Mahomes can do things that nobody else has ever done. What can Patrick Mahomes do that Aaron Rodgers didn't or doesn't? Good question. We are. It is recency bias. Yeah, totally. Or Russell Wilson. We have these conversations all the time about different quarterbacks, different players. Yeah, and I, I do think they're different styles because I think that both Rodgers and Mahomes are faster than Russell Wilson. Wilson is smoother and more elusive than those guys. But in terms of making the throws and getting out of the pocket and being able to ad lib, sure, Mahomes had the no-look pass and he had the left-handed pass. But in terms of the general athletic quarterbacking skill set, including arm strength, I don't think that Mahomes is head and shoulders above Aaron Rodgers. In their prime, would you take a, a Mahomes now or a Rodgers in his prime? And some could argue that might still be now, but... I think I would go with Rodgers. And the reason for that is that I've seen what Mahomes can do with guys like Watkins and Hill and Kelsey. I'm seeing what Rodgers is doing with Scantling Valdez and uh, Lazard and turning these guys into into stars. The, those guys that I talked about before were all premium draft choices. Granted, Rodgers has Devontae Adams most of the time. Didn't have him the other night. But look what he did against a good defense with nobody that was a premium draft pick. Yeah, I guess the better question is, what would Aaron Rodgers do if you put him in this Chiefs offense with yeah. these weapons and with Andy Reid and with this scheme? Yeah, that's what a, would he do? That's the way to look at it. That's Michelle. I'm Randy. This is 101 ESPN. And coming up, we've got another edition of The Fight. <laughs> Stick around. It's next. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast on 101 ESPN. <laughs> Welcome back to and Smallman here on 101 ESPN 833 in the morning. That time check brought to you by Clarkson Jewelers, an officially licensed Rolex jeweler. It's time for the fight. And we have a returning fighter today. Jonathan beat Randy yesterday. It was a little bit of a of a controversy here in studio because of the way question one was worded. Randy was not pleased, but that allowed Jonathan to take the edge over Randy two to one. So Jonathan is back with us again today. Good morning, Jonathan. Morning, Michelle. How are you? I'm doing well. Now, did you watch The Last Dance at all, Jonathan? The Last Dance? Yeah. yeah I watched it. You did? Yeah. So you remember how Michael Jordan, when he would feel slighted, would take things personally and he would come okay. out with a vengeance? That's Randy today? That is Randy today. So I just want you to brace yourself. That's all. All right. <laughs> but good luck to you, Jonathan. Okay, question number one for you. It was announced that KK will be the game one starter for the Cardinals in this 2020 postseason. Who did Kim get his first start again? Which, Actually, let me rephrase this so that there's no problems today. Which team did Kim get his first start against in this 2020 season? The Chicago Cubs, the Pittsburgh Pirates, or the Cincinnati Reds? Uh, I'll go Pittsburgh Pirates. All right, Jonathan, the NHL draft is coming up one week from today on October 6th. 
1968, who was the first draft pick in the history of the St. Louis Blues franchise? Was it Gary Edwards, Kurt Bennett, or Mike Lowe? Gary Edwards. Jonathan, Pat Maroon, the big rig, has now won back-to-back Stanley Cup championships with the Blues and the Tampa Bay Lightning. Prior to coming to the St. Louis Blues, what team did Pat Maroon recently play for, most recently play for? Was it the Edmonton Oilers, the New Jersey Devils, or the Anaheim Ducks? It was the Oilers. And Jonathan, last one, Skip Schumacher is a member of the Padres' front office, but when he was with the Cardinals from 2005 to 2012, what number did he wear? Was it number 25, number 35, or number 55? Um, 55. Okay. We're checking score here. Tanner is on his way to get Randy. Jonathan, how are you feeling this morning? How are you feeling after completing uh, the fight? That one was pretty hard, so not, not, not perfect. That's all right. Maybe Randy will feel the same way. Randy, say good morning again to Jonathan. Jonathan, how are you, sir? I'm doing well. How are you, Randy? Doing good. Thanks for listening. Thanks for playing. I did warn Jonathan that you have kind of the Michael Jordan. I took this personally. Oh, yeah. Edge to you this morning about the fight. It's not your fault, Jonathan. It's Scott Manziara's. (laughs) That's all right. It doesn't matter whose fault it is, Randy. It's the attitude that you're carrying today that matters. Okay, let's go. 18, by the way. 18. 18 years in the playoffs for the Cardinals. See? There you go. You'll never forget that. You'll never forget. I've eight more post-seasons, but uh, go ahead. Yeah, sometimes you, I get nervous because I just read the questions. I know. And I get nervous that I'm not presenting it correctly, but... Have I ever gotten mad at you? Never. Thank you. Not once. Not even when I was the producer and I would do the fight. <laughs> it's because you were perfect. <laughs> That's right. I was. Uh, no, I think it's because I would look at you with fear and say, I'm so sorry. Oh, my God. Please don't be mad at me. <laughs> or I would just blame DeMarco. I'd be like, he read it wrong. That's a great play. He read it wrong. Okay. Question number one for you, Randy. It was announced that KK will be the game one starter for the Cardinals in this 2020 postseason. What team did Kim get his first start against in this 2020 postseason? Or in this 2020 season, excuse me. 2020 season he came back was it against the White Sox or the Cubs it was one of those and I believe it was against oh no because they came back uh, and Carlos was no Carlos got the COVID I'm going to say that it was against the Cubs Randy, the NHL draft is coming up one week from today on October 6th. In 1968, who was the first draft pick in the history of the St. Louis Blues franchise? 1968. I think I know this, but if you'll give me the lifeline, I'll see if I can verify it. Was it Gary Edwards, Kurt Bennett, or Mike Lowe? I think I'm going to go with... uh, Edwards was a goalie. And Kurt Bennett. I'll go with Gary Edwards. Randy, Pat Maroon has now won back-to-back Stanley Cup championship with the Blues and the Tampa Bay Lightning. Mm -hmm. Prior to coming to the Blues, what team did he most recently play for? I believe he was a New Jersey Devil. And last one, Randy, Skip Schumacher is a member of the Padres' front office. Mm -hmm. But when he was with the Cardinals from 2005 to 2012, what number did he wear? He was number 55. We have got a winner. Go crazy, folks. Go crazy. We have a winner and still champion, Randy Carricker. Brought to you by Dobbs Tire.
Tire and Auto Centers, your best choice for quality tires and expert auto service. Dobbs. I tried to warn you, Jonathan. He came in today with an attitude. He, he was not going to drop this fight. I'm sorry. Randy beat you 4-2, to two, as you heard Jack Buck's voice there. He got a perfect score. Let's run through our answers here. KK got his first start in this 2020 season versus the hated Chicago Cubs. The first draft pick in the history of the St. Louis Blues franchise in 1968 was Gary Edwards. Um, in 1968, it was the first round, the sixth pick of that first round. Pat Maroon played for the New Jersey Devils before he came to the Blues and Skip Schumacher wore number 55 for the Cardinals from 2005 to 2012. Jonathan, great run. Thanks so much for playing. Thank you. I got MJ'd. <laughs> you did. Thanks, you Jonathan. did. You should put that in your social media bio that you got MJ'd by Randy. <laughs> <laughs> Appreciate it. Thanks. Thank you. 55 because of Oral Hershiser who wore it with the Dodgers. I just, I envisioned the back of his jersey as he steps out of the box to adjust his yep. batting gloves. Every single time. Every single time. And what a good guy. I, and I'm sure that he'll be on the station uh, either today or tomorrow, whether, whether it's with us or uh, with one of the other shows. Skip is one of my all-time favorites. I don't, I don't know if I ever told you. So one time uh, Albert got mad at something that I had allegedly said on the air, but I hadn't. Oh, what? Do you remember what it was? Of course you do. Well, so some guy on local TV, on a local TV show, accused him of using PEDs. Oh, and it wasn't me, but Albert came up to me and said, I can't believe you'd say that I use PEDs. I said, me? Said, yeah, you were on TV last weekend. I said, I wasn't even in town last weekend. Uh, and, and so um, he snaps at me for a while, and I said, look, I, I can even, I'll talk to the people at the TV station. I called Rennie, and Rennie said, no, it wasn't you. Uh, I think so that's I, something you would remember if you said. Yeah, absolutely. And there was a, I, I know that there was no association with uh, Albert and PEDs. So uh, Albert finishes his little tirade, and then Skip comes up to me and says, did you just get yelled at? <laughs> I said, yeah. That is the best. <laughs> and you think he was just sitting back watching all of this exactly. go down? He's probably thinking, better you than me. <laughs> no doubt. <laughs> I got to tell you, if Albert Pujols yelled at me for something that I didn't say, accusing him of using yeah. BEDs, I might have yeah. started crying and be like, I'm, I did not so, say and that. Then he, so sorry. He ultimately did get the facts okay, good. And, and apologize. He was fine. So. And then did you say, uh, thank you for apologizing, but I want a one-on-one interview? No, I didn't say long, that. Come in studio, because that's what I would have done. Albert you owe was, me, Albert. Albert was always very good to me about that. And I, I wasn't covering the team on a regular basis, so we were acquaintances. It's not like I was in there every day and he knew who I was. Well, I think he knew who I was, but it wasn't like he knew that I was going to be there every day. So he was always really good to me about taking care of me with interviews. So I, I do appreciate that. And uh, I, he's got one year to go. I, I was wondering yesterday, if, could you imagine he and Yachty and Tony getting together for one last hurrah next year? That would be nuts. Yeah. I would hate it because that would mean Yachty wasn't with the Cardinals. But yeah. I, that might be an interesting lore for him. We yeah. talked about different places that he might go, and I said one of the negatives might be that he had to go into a, a new clubhouse. And even though he's obviously a, a respected guy, no matter where he goes, it's a different feel. But if you go into that clubhouse with those two guys there, that's a familiar environment for you. We're going to ask Rick Horton, the Cardinal broadcaster from FS Midwest and KMOX, that question and more next on 101 ESPN. 
We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast on 101 ESPN. With Michelle, I'm Randy, and this is 101 ESPN, Character and Smallman, and we head to the Brown and Crouppen Celebrity Line. Rick Horton will be busy over the course of hopefully the next couple of weeks as the Cardinals embark on their 2020 playoffs, and Ricky is with us now on 101 ESPN. Good morning, sir. How are you? Uh, it's great, guys. Uh, good to be with you, and it is good to be busy, and hopefully it will be for a while. I, I want to start with this because you've played at this time of year. What's it like when, when you, the calendar flips over to October and you're still a baseball player and playing? Well, I mean, what it's like on a normal year is very much different than what it's like in 2020, I could imagine. That's why it's really hard to kind of uh, kind of put the two things together, Randy, because I would say, you know, normally you get rejuvenated when you get to October because you played 162 games and, you know, the fans kind of carry you through because you realize, wow, every place I go, it's uh, people talking about the Cardinals. But now we're, we're so isolated. I think it's hard to draw off some of that energy uh, for the players, for sure, because they're quarantined, they're staying in a hotel together, et cetera. Uh, and they only played 60 games. Now I say only played 60 games. They played a lot of them in a short period of time. So it's just such a different feel. I'm, I'm not sure what it's going to feel like for them when they go uh, out on the field at Petco Park. I know they'll be uh, kind of amped up to be uh, in that spot after all they've been through. And Rick, when they do hit the field at Petco Park, they announce that the rotation is going to set up like this. KK game one, Wayno game two, and then Flaherty for a potential game three. What was your reaction when you heard that that's the way the Cardinals were going to set up the rotation for this series? I actually liked it, Michelle. Actually, I was thinking either that or Kim first, uh, Wayno third with Jack second. And, and, you know, really anybody that's watched the Cardinals all year would say, who's the, who's been the most consistent dominating pitcher. You'd say KK. I mean, and you, you know, Mike Schultz said early in the year, he says, I'm going to have to throw everybody's feelings out the window because I have to manage for a way to just win games. So several, you know, Matt Carpenter didn't play all the time. Uh, Matt Carpenter hit seventh or eighth. I mean, it's just kind of what you had to do uh, to, to, to get to where they are. And I think the same is true with, with Jack right now. Jack is clearly the guy who's got the biggest upside long-term and was the opening day starter, but he's not pitching very well right now. So putting him third, I think, is good, gives him a little more rest. And so I, I overall, I like it. Um, and, and, you know, the other thing, that's what we do know. What we don't know is how was their last bullpen? How did they throw? How do they feel? All those things go into play. And even if Jack Flaherty isn't what he was in the second half of last year, Rick, I feel really good about him in a game three mm-hmm. or in mm-hmm. game one of the NLDS, the next series. Exactly. And it's, it's not, it's, I wouldn't call it a demotion. I don't think Jack's pushed to the number three guy. It's just kind of setting it up that way. And, uh, really, it was Kim to, Kim's turn to go first anyway, and so I, and honestly, I think he deserves it. And you know, there's a lot I've, I've read a lot this morning about the fact that the Padres have never seen Kim, and and there's some value to that. Way even Wayno said, "Look, a pitcher always has the advantage when uh, people don't know each other." And you know, that's the weird thing about the playoffs. It's so crazy. Is is you are playing teams even if they're in your league that you haven't seen since last year. So all the scouting, all the video, all that stuff is going to be a little convoluted right now because you just haven't had that experience with anybody other than uh, your area of the country. Rick, when you look at this matchup between the Cardinals and the Padres, what facet of their game do you think the Cardinals have an edge over San Diego? 
Well, I think I think the Cardinals' defense has an edge over anybody. And, you know, if you look just at the total number of errors, the fielding percentage, that's not going to wow you necessarily. But, you know, defensive runs saved, all the metrics. The Cardinals uh, play the outfield very well. They, you know, they play the infield very well with, with DeYoung and Wong up the middle. And uh, so, and Goldschmidt at first. I mean, I think there's just a defensive edge. I'm not going to say it's a drastic edge. Uh, I think there is a drastic edge on the Padres' side as far as power is concerned. They they. They've got some pop in their lineup, and the Cardinals uh, last in baseball and home runs. And so they're just going to have to find ways to, to, to get big hits and do damage when they can. You know, what Bader was able to do that last game of the year is what, what somebody's got to do every day. Just have a good day and hit, hit a triple and a home run and drive in three or four. And, uh, you know, it doesn't matter who it is. And, and, you know, Tommy Edmond led this club in RBIs, for goodness sakes. I mean, there's several players that can do it. It's just not, you know, you wouldn't call it a power attack on the Cardinals side. We asked the question yesterday, who could be the surprise hero like David Fries was in 2011? Mm, that's a good question. I'd, I'd love to have heard your answer. Sorry, I missed him. So I'll, now you get mine. I think the surprise uh, hero uh, could be Paul DeYoung. And uh, now he, not, he did not look, and I say surprise, he was an all-star for the team last year. But Paul DeYoung, when he gets going is outstanding. I mean, there's several guys that could fit that bill. I mean, he, D- Dylan Carlson could be that guy. I mean, he's more trending in that direction, but I think the sp- surprise could be Paul DeYoung. Maybe, you know, he looked a little weary to me the last uh, few days, and I think a couple of days off will be good for him. And, you know, he's such a cerebral guy and a preparation guy and a, you know, and a kind of a money guy. I just think uh, DeYoung might come through. And we've seen him get hot for a month, and that's all it takes, right? That's right. You can get out for a month and take the rest of the year off. I mean, that's kind of the way it is. And, you know, that, the playoffs is like that. It doesn't really matter whether you're in a pandemic or not. You know, you get to the playoffs and you realize, oh, my goodness, this is, uh, this is a new thing here. This is, uh, a, you get refreshed by it in a way because you realize that there's a lot of national attention, world attention on what you're doing. Uh, and you realize every, every at-bat's a big at-bat. Every pitch is a big pitch. And, you know, you might not feel it without having the fans in the stands, but, but it's still, you know, it's there. And Rick, from an organizational standpoint, the Cardinals have obviously had a lot of recent postseason success. And, you know, Mike Schultz was talking about it, how it's just kind of a given that they're supposed to make the playoffs. And on the other side of the field, you have the Padres, who haven't made the postseason since 2006. And while they have guys over there with postseason pedigree, it's a different feel between these two teams. Do you think that that matters at all heading into this series? Oh, yeah, I, I really do. And, and I, you know, you don't want to overplay that necessarily, Michelle, but, you know, I could say, you know, there, it, I remember the first time I stepped on a field uh, when I went to the American League and, and, and the other team came out of the dugout and they were wearing Yankee uniform. It's kind of like, I don't even care if they're very good. We're playing the Yankees, for goodness sakes. I mean, I mean it's kind of like, you know, you, it, there, is a, there is something about the organization's tradition and just you know they walk out of the dugout and you think oh boy they're ready for this i hope i am and i mean it, honestly it's it's a it's kind of just a thing players go through and they, at least i did that's all i can speak to and so i think the cardinals have that you know the dodgers have that the cardinals have that the yankees have that i mean not a lot of teams you know have have the long history of, of being in the playoffs and the cardinals even have the the short history the last 20 years they're, they're in there most of the time so i think to some degree even though they're different players i mean that's the other part of it is you know Dylan Carlson hasn't been in postseason play, but he's wearing a Cardinal uniform. There's something to that. Rick Horton with us on 101 ESPN. Rick, even though the season was only 60 games, you do have to win four series to win this world championship. Obviously, this will be a different world championship, but could you make the argument that it's the most difficult? 
Yeah, I would say so. I mean, I think there's a lot of difficulty. You know, I, I, I hearken back, first of all, to Matt Carpenter saying, if we get in the playoffs, it'll be a miracle. He said that, I think you were probably on that, Randy, the first Zoom call where Matt, you know, when he started playing again mm-hmm. after their after all their days off. I mean, they were just, you know, they were lost and confused as to whether or not they'd even play. So, so that first miracle has happened. They're actually in the playoffs. But, uh, you know, it, it's hard for everybody. I mean, the pressure's on every – the Dodgers, the, the Tampa Bay, you know, now – now Tampa Bay has to wear the wear the hat of you're supposed to win this, and and that's a different gig. I mean that is there's pressure beyond kind of uh, kind of what they're they're used to, and so you know I, I think you know every player dreams of being in a World Series, and so I always felt that the pressure was on the first couple of series, and and in my era, just the first series there was only two, so it was on the NLCS. If you win the NLCS then there's less pressure in the World Series because you've got to be in the World Series. So I, I think everybody feels this drive and sense, you know, all 16 teams that even the Miami Marlins would say, you know what, we got a chance to be in the World Series again. Rick, this team has had to overcome so much to get to this point. We knew heading into a 60-game season that there was going to be challenges, but the Cardinals have had injuries. They had a COVID outbreak. They, I mean, they just had so much that they've had to overcome. And so if you're going to say anything about this team, they certainly possess mental toughness. How much of that do you think comes from Mike Schilt? Because when I look at this season, that's one of my big takeaways. It's just what a great job he did managing all the challenges that were thrown at this team. I could not agree more with what you just said, Michelle. And, and, and I would say I would extend it past Mike Schilt, which Mike would be happy that I'm saying this, that to his coaching staff. I mean, it's, it's Mike Maddox, you know, still believing in the pitchers if they have a bad day. It's, you know, it's Ollie Marmol who organizes everything for Mike Schilt. And he's one of the most positive guys you're ever going to be around. But, but really, you go to, uh, to what Mike Schilt is, is he is Mr. Positive. And, and I don't think he's Pollyanna positive. You know, I always say, you know, one of my things when I was coaching, I always used to say, don't confuse uh, meekness with weakness. And and I think that defines uh, Mike Schilt. I mean, I might be, you know, I might be easygoing and all that, but don't push me. And Mike Schilt's like that. I mean, the, the Brewers found that out you know, a week or so ago. He doesn't like to get pushed. And, and so that fire, he's got the fire, but he's got the optimism that goes along with it. And it's not phony optimism. I mean, rah, rah, rah is not what he is, but he is analytically and um, just uh, optimistically uh, in, in charge of charting our course, and you believe him. And so, I, I mean, I think he's got a track record that proves that, and, and he did as good a job. I mean, probably a better job this year than he did last. A couple more things for Rick Horton. I heard you and Dan talking the other day on the telecast about it perhaps being Yadi Molina's last home game at Bush Stadium, and I think we're in the same boat here. I haven't even allowed myself to envision him playing in another uniform. I just, it just, it's too weird for me to, to think about that. But that being said, if he would go, Rick, could you env- envision one last hurrah with Yachty, Albert, and Tony out in Anaheim? Oh, you know, you kind of could envision anything, you know, so I could not envision Albert Pujols leaving the Cardinals and, and, and yet it happened. So, I mean, I'm going back now, but, but we all remember that moment. It's like, well, of course, Albert's going to be a Cardinal forever. He's going to be our next day unusual. And, and it didn't happen. So, you know, and there's a lot of factors that go into that, the economics of the teams that are, that are involved. And so, so the reason I can picture anything right now is number one, I have that, that we have that in the rearview mirror, but number two, the economics of the game right now is so crazy as far. I mean, owners are losing millions of dollars in 2020. They'll probably lose millions of dollars, tens of millions of dollars in 2021. And so with the prospects of that, the economics of who you sign, who you re-sign, uh, who, what option you pick up is just 
I mean, honestly, it's just a whole new world right now. And so only because of that, not because of our heart and because of what you want to be true, but sometimes reality takes over and you just have to realize that the economics is going to come into play. And finally, Rick, when I'm driving around, I listen to you and John Rooney doing the road games and it's like you are there at the ballpark. You guys sound so natural there. Does it feel natural to you now doing the games off of a TV screen? Um, yes and no, Randy. And I appreciate that as a compliment because, I mean, a big compliment because that's what we're shooting for is, you know, you want people to feel like you're bringing something specific to what's going on. We have several ca- several camera angles, which helps us, of course. But but I personally, I mean, that's the yes part is, is you know, you feel like you can get ingrained in all these all these different views, but, but the no part is there's nothing to me like being there. There's just things I would know as an analyst, if I was there and it's not just whether the wind's blowing in, or I mean, it's did the team get to the park late to the, how, you know, I mean, there's just little nuances that you can tell from talking to the manager, being with the manager, being with the coaches and the players. You know, I certainly miss that, uh, but I understand where we are and, and just trying to do our, do the best we can. I love doing the games with John. We're having, we're having fun doing it. Well, we'll be tuned in. Thank you very much for the time this morning. We appreciate it and have a great playoff run. You bet, guys. Thanks. Thanks. That is Rick Horton, one of our favorites here on 101 ESPN. One of the nicest people in the world. He is. And after he said that about Albert leaving... It, it made me really think about Yachty because while we can't envision it, he but he makes a great point. I never thought that Albert would leave, ever. It has happened. It has happened. And if Albert can walk away, Yachty can certainly do the same as well. Coming up, Michelle and Randy with today's big thing. Okay, you are from St. Louis and <laughs> you are a great athlete. Which one do you want to be? What St. Louis athlete's career do you want? That's next on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast on 101 ESPN. Opinions do matter. Time for today's big thing with Character and Smallman on 101 ESPN. Powered by SSM Health Express Clinic at Walgreens. Visit SSMHealth.com for more information. in St. Louis. Your time check brought to you by Clarkson Jewelers, an officially licensed Rolex jeweler. If you are ever out of town, you can listen on the 101 ESPN app. Just download that to your iPhone or Android device. It doesn't cost anything. Or if you miss any portion of the program, right, Michelle, you can just listen to the podcast. Just listen to the podcast. I was out of town last week. I could pull up the podcast and listen to you and Danny Mack. Keeps me informed. It was great. And we have a lot coming your way here on 101 ESPN today. Obviously, the regular shows, but then tonight at 545, pregame for Yankees and Indians, game number one. Then tomorrow night, you've got This Week in Hockey with Alex and Joey and the Lakers and Heat game one tomorrow night at the NBA Finals. It's so great that we have so much postseason baseball action on today. What are you, Which games are you looking forward to? Or which games are you definitely making sure that you're in front of a TV for today? I do like that Yankees-Indians or game. Or a radio. Yeah. I, I, I like that game tonight. And I'm intrigued by Minnesota and Houston. I think Minnesota might just pummel the Astros. Because they can hit. And the Astros, without Verlander, without Cole. Without trash cans. Yeah, without trash cans. There's not a lot there pitching-wise. And as we know, they don't hit as well as they used to for some reason. It's so weird. I wonder yeah. why that happened. So I'm intrigued by that one. I Same. I'm definitely going to be locked into Houston, Minnesota. And then I can't wait to watch or and or listen to Yankees-Indians. I think that's going to yeah. be a very intriguing series. Michelle, we asked for... 
the athlete from St. Louis that you would like to have the career of. I will tell you right up front, the reason that I do this is because I have, and for all my life, have had zero, zero athletic ability. Zero? You're a great golfer, Randy. But it's not because of athletic ability. I do get this from the 314, and I. this is why I love St. Louis, and I love this listenership, and I can't be more appreciative uh, from the 314. If I could choose any St. Louis athlete's career, I would choose Randy Carricker. He got to experience all the St. Louis team's championships, has an awesome talk show, and had a city chanting his name. I really do appreciate that. And I like the fact that you think I have athletic ability, but I have zero. Oh, come on. Give yourself more credit than that, Randy. You're about ready to embark on a 75 hard challenge. You're going to be working out twice a day. You have athletic ability. Maybe just not that of a professional athlete, but that's okay. It's very rare that people do. But I I have to say this. You do have such a great gig here in St. Louis. One of the coolest things for me was when we got to cover the Stanley Cup parade awesome. together because we've we've had such a great friendship and you've been such a great teammate and mentor to me forever. But that's something that we always talked about and that we never thought we'd get to right. experience. And to be able to walk that crowd with you and watch the crowd's reaction to you. We couldn't even take two steps. It was like you were a member of the team, Randy. <laughs> we couldn't even take two steps without people chanting your name or being like, Randy, when are you getting the tat? We got to see the tat. And it was just such a good reminder for me what you mean to this community, what you have you have meant to this community and the sports world here for a long time. It was very cool. It, it was a lot of fun. And the, the passion that this city has for sports is why we have jobs. It's, it's wonderful. All right. So you can have the career of an athlete that is from St. Louis. And Michelle chose? Pat Maroon. And I know you're going to think it's recency bias, but hear me out. Here's a guy who came to St. Louis, he took less money to come to his hometown so he could be by his son and be a part of this team and this community and this franchise. He scored arguably the most important goal, if not one of the biggest goals in St. Louis Blues franchise history. He was a huge part of the reason that this franchise got to hoist the cup for the very first time. And there's nothing like the team that gets it done for the first time. He gets to party with the city. He gets to have his day with the cup. And then, oh, by the way, he leaves St. Louis and then he does it back-to-back seasons with another team in the Tampa Bay Lightning. And it would not have gotten any better for him in St. Louis. Never. And I don't know that it's better this time, but it's probably tied for first. And the cool thing of many cool things for Pat Maroon, but to me, the fact that he embraced it and was able to admit, yeah, I'm a hometown hero, baby. <laughs> it's, it wasn't like, uh, yeah, I, I did it, and it, but that, that's just my job. No, he understands St. Louis. I think that might have been the Bud Light telling him to say that. Yeah, but, but it that's, worked. But that's part of the reason that I would choose Pat Maroon is that he got to be himself. And mm-hmm. he got to be a real person and revel in the fact that he did what he did. And, you know, he wasn't the, the number one star with a lot of expectations placed upon him. He was the guy that went in there and grinded it out and earned every ounce of his success. I mean, he had six points in 25 games in the postseason this year. He's mm-hmm. a guy that contributes to his teams. And you use the... The word grind, which is perfect for St. Louis. He he reflects the St. Louis work ethic and what we love in our athletes, yes. that, that grinder guy. Yeah, a guy that people might count out, but that he's just going to work and work and work until he gets it. Yeah, I went with uh, Mike Shannon. This uh, texter from the 618 also went with Mike Shannon. Here's one from the 314, Michelle, that 
maybe I should have taken a closer look at, PGA Pro Adam Long get paid to play golf every week. That's true. That's pretty good There is pressure, but it's a pretty good good gig. Uh, Also, from the 618, Ryan Howard. Made a lot of money. Made a ton of money. Might have made the most of any St. Louis athlete. That's... But he never won. Point. He didn't get the championship, though. Yeah, he did in 08. Oh, yeah, that's right. That's right. I yeah. just always remember him getting injured versus the Cardinals. That's yeah. the one that stands above above all from me. But I forgot. You're right. So, yeah, so he's went a to good, a couple of World Series. Yeah, yeah. He's a good pick. That's a good pick. Yeah, we should get him on. He's a really good guy. He is. Baseball analyst now, too. Yeah. Is he still with ESPN? Uh, I know he was last year. I know he was. We so we'll find him. Oh, and we'll, we'll get him on. We'll, we'll get Ryan on. He's a, he's a good guy. Uh, oh, how about this one, Randy? Max Scherzer, two hundred fifty oh, million dollar champion. Yeah, great call. Scherzer is a good pick. That's yeah. a really good pick. Can't go wrong with that. Also, let's see, uh, Jason Tatum, star in the league where you make the most money if you are a star, and got a Duke experience. And at some point, Jason Tatum is going to win an NBA championship. I certainly hope so. I would love to see that for him. And right now, you don't take him, but in five years. He might have made more money than all of them. He'll have the championship. And a guy, again, that totally embraces his roots here in St. Louis, oh, always yeah. repping St. Louis. I, lo- I loved his shoes that he wore um, a few, what was it, a week ago or so, when he had the mm-hmm. light blue Cardinal shoes, uh, paying homage to Lou Brock. He's always repping St. Louis, always. Yeah, so you love to see that. Uh, here's another one. Uh Going with Pat Maroon, this is with, along with you, going with Pat Maroon's back-to-back trots with Lord Stanley's Cup. And celebrating with the Stanley Cup is by far the best celebration in sports. To be mm. able to have your day with the cup and do whatever you want, and he gets that not once but twice, that's awesome. That is fantastic. Here's a really good one from the 618. There's only one answer. Red Shandienst, lifelong Cardinal player, coach, and manager. How many guys can say they got to grow up and not only play for your childhood team, but win a World Series with both as a player and a manager? That's a really good call, and we should have brought him up earlier. Red's definitely a great choice. And uh, we get Jackie Joyner-Kersey. Somebody texted her an earlier greatest female athlete of all time. Absolutely fantastic. Mark Burley had a great time as a Major League Baseball player. That's right. Mark Burley's another good choice. So many great athletes who've had great success from St. Louis. And how about Ezekiel Elliott? But then you'd have to have a feed me tat. And as he said, that hurt. That really yeah. hurt. And he is playing for Jarrah. Yeah, so no. All respect to Zeke, but no, I don't want to play for Jerry Jones. And let's not also forget Bradley Beal. This text from the 314, a gentleman gives back to Chaminade in St. Louis, a quiet leader. And he is another guy that represents our community exceptionally well in the NBA. That's right. And a lot of people are texting in David Freeze. I love this text from the 314, Randy. David Freeze, to be from St. Louis and have that kind of a moment in 2011 is just unreal. I couldn't imagine the feeling. I mean, that's something that if you're a kid playing baseball, you always imagine. Walk-off home run World Series at Bush Stadium. It's literally the dream of every kid who grows up in St. Louis. Down to your last pitch twice? Yeah. And he lived that dream. And on a team that wasn't supposed to be there either. Which just adds to the lore. But the resulting pressure... Pat Maroon embraced being the hometown hero. I think David Freeze liked it, but I don't think he loved being the hometown hero. And it probably was more difficult 
that he didn't leave right after, like Pat Maroon did. I, I would think staying with the Cardinals for a few more years after that probably made things even more difficult for David Freeze. I'm sure. And like we mentioned earlier, there's just uh, a certain prestige that comes with being a Cardinal. And not only are you a Cardinal, you're a World Series champion and you're the hometown hero. I Here's here's the difference. I imagine if people see Pat Maroon out, they, they say, oh, Pat, amazing Stanley Cup. And they give him a shout out and they walk away. With David Freeze, I bet it's more of an awe moment. Yep. Like you are the Cardinals hometown hero. It's it's more. You remember of, when you hit that home run in the 2011 he, World He's like, Series. wait, did I? I don't remember. <laughs> of course he does. <laughs> it was awesome, wasn't it? But I imagine people want more from him yeah. in that moment. And that's a really difficult burden to carry all day, every day when you're in St. Louis. That is today's big thing on 101 ESPN with Carriker and Smallman. Next up, you're killing me, Smalls. Coming your way. We're right back to the Carriker and Smallman podcast on 101 ESPN. What's totally killing Smalls right now? You're killing me, Smalls. You're killing me, Smalls, with Michelle Smallman on 101 ESPN. All right, this is always fun. Here we go. You're killing me, Smalls. All right, Randy, we talked a lot about the Chiefs and Ravens, the highly anticipated game last night for Monday Night Football. The Chiefs walked away with the, with the victory there. Patrick Mahomes, anytime he plays is the story, but it feels like last night it was Lamar Jackson versus Patrick Mahomes, so you knew that he was going to be more of a storyline than usual. I loved that last night when he threw four touchdowns. After his fourth touchdown, he counted to four on his fingers, and people thought, oh, maybe it's because it's his fourth touchdown, but he gave a little shrug at the end, and a lot of people said that was him doing a little little bit of trash talking in regards to the fact that he was voted fourth overall by his fellow players, by his peers in the annual NFL top 100 rankings. And, and by the way, the top player in that was Lamar Jackson. So I think that uh, that might have yeah. been a little bit of, oh, you think he's better than me? How about this? And last year he did the 10th pick in the draft one, right? So I, I love the fact that he finds a way to put a chip on his shoulder and then is thinking about it during the game. Some guys are just so involved in the game that they aren't able to have fun with it and embrace the what what's going on in the midst of the game and and recognize that chip on their shoulder during the game. He does, and he really has fun. I love the fact that he can think about other things other than just the football game. But when you're him and you're that good, how is it not fun? Oh, yeah. He, he, he's got an incredible amount of just natural quarterbacking ability. Some people are born for the for the position that they're in in life, and he's one of those guys. He, he was born to be a great NFL quarterback. His trash talk even is nice and endearing if that makes sense yeah it is he's he's counting and giving a little shrug with a smile he's making his point known but he's not doing it in a post-game presser he's not tweeting it in an annoying way he's almost too good and too perfect right and the commercial have you seen the commercial with troy polamalu it's it he's they've got a head and shoulders commercial that's great you'll see it during the baseball playoffs but even then, the little trash talking is great. Do you watch commercials still? Because you know what I do is I either go and I look at my phone or I do something in another room or I mute them. I think some commercials are on so incessantly you have no choice but to watch them. And that's one of them that I've seen a lot lately. You're killing me, Small. All right, Randy, we talked about Pat Maroon getting a back-to-back Stanley Cup championships as the Tampa Bay Lightning beat the Dallas Stars yesterday. I want to talk a little bit about this with you. What did you think about them celebrating and there's no fans there? 
it was weird. And the fact that Gary Bettman brought them all up for the photo beforehand. But I think he, when you achieve something like that, and I still think it's the most difficult championship to win in sports but it doesn't matter i would expect under these circumstances that every team is going to have a great celebration i thought it was fine and i'm glad that they did it the way they did it i'm sure it would have been cool to do it with their fans but the most important group is that group that was on the ice together and i thought it was great it seemed like they had fun in the locker room yeah definitely but i think about a guy like pat maroon who even though they were in Boston, had their family members and all of these people coming to the ice immediately afterwards. And you you think about the fact that he got to do it last year unrestricted, just really doing whatever they want, celebrating in that moment. And I would love to hear from him on on the differences or if, if, if he was just so excited to say, hey, we won and now we get to go home, that it didn't matter. But I thought it just lacked a little something. Well, I think also Tampa... Not that they had the 50-year wait, but that's been such a good team for such a long time and hadn't won. I would think that kind of like the Blues, there's a level of relief there in winning the championship too, especially for guys like Vasilevsky and and Hedman. And Steven Stamkos didn't play, but he's been there for a long time. So I would think those veteran guys really did let loose afterwards. You're killing me, Smalls. So we also mentioned this, Randy, but I want to circle back to it. So we know that the Clippers had high expectations this season. They fell short. They had Kawhi. They had Paul George, but got bounced out of the playoffs early. News yesterday, a Woj bomb, that Doc Rivers stepped down as coach of the Clippers. He and Steve Ballmer, their chairman, called it a mutual decision. Do you in any way believe this was a mutual decision? I do, but I think it was a mutual... He didn't say it was a mutual decision between... Balmer didn't. Between he and Rivers, it very well could have been, and I'm sure probably was, a mutual decision between Steve Ballmer and Kawhi Leonard. And we talked the morning after they were eliminated about the quotes from Kawhi about how that probably signaled the end for Doc Rivers. I think... This was a mutual decision between Steve Ballmer and Kawhi Leonard to end (laughs) the coaching career of the Clippers of Doc Rivers. Because you have to imagine that he was consulted before this decision was made, right? No doubt. And I, I... he, he and George, and they probably thought, no, we need another guy. But Kawhi's Leonard, Kawhi Leonard's quotes after they were knocked out were pretty telling, I thought. Uh, and Randy, we're going to end this segment with some breaking news. 101 ESPN breaking news alert. So Tom Pelissero from NFL Network has this. The Titans had three new player positives, COVID positives, and five new personnel positives for mm. COVID-19. Both the Titans and the Vikings, who hosted them Sunday, will suspend in-person club activities starting today. So that means those two teams probably will not play on Sunday. Here we are on Tuesday, and you would think that it would be difficult for them to get through all of the protocols and get back on the field by Sunday, and uh, let's just take a quick look at who those two teams play this week. But that kind of seemed inevitable, didn't it? That for, some for the team NFL? would ha- have it, yeah, yeah. Unfortunately, as we've as we saw with baseball, if you're out in the world, and even if you're getting testing, it's hard to contain this. It's, it is hard to contain. Titans are three and zero, scheduled to host the Steelers, 
and the Vikings are set to visit Houston at noon on Sunday. So those are the games that would be affected at the moment. All right. Great job, Michelle. Thank you. You got it, Randy. That's Michelle. I'm Randy, and that's your Killing Me Smalls on 101 ESPN. Next up, college football season is here. Dennis Dodd was at the Mizzou game against Alabama on Saturday. He'll give us a little idea of what it was like and a little idea about what he thinks of Mizzou and this coming season. Dennis Dodd of CBS Sports, next on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast on 101 ESPN. Michelle Smallman, I'm Randy Carricker. Great to have you with us on 101 ESPN. And we go right to the Brown and Crouppen Celebrity Line and our longtime friend, Dennis Dodd of CBSSports.com, kind enough to join us. He was at the Mizzou-Alabama game on Saturday as his new power rankings out. You need to check those out at CBSSports.com. Dennis, great to have you with us. How are you doing? Randy, Michelle, how are you guys? I'm good. What was it like at Faroe Field on Saturday? It was... Boy, the atmosphere was just, I guess the best way to put it was diminished. Um, visiting people that I knew um, there, I, had a, I have a, a niece uh, who's a videographer for the team, shout out Emily Noonan, and some friends in the dorms, the friends that had people there. I walked across the entire campus, and it looked like the middle of summer, like when there's no one there. Uh, and I'm not blaming Missouri. I think that's the way it is across a lot of the country, but it was almost dystopian. And it, it was kind of depressing, you know, on, on a football Saturday. And again, I'm not blaming Missouri. This is the way of the world right now. But, um, you know, 11,700 there, socially distanced. But it, there, there was just something missing. Even Nick Saban said it. I asked him about it yesterday on, on a Zoom call. And he said, yeah, the, the players have to create their own excitement almost. That sounds eerie. It sounds like an eerie environment to be part of. I almost wonder if it's if it's less eerie with no fans because you you go in kind of expecting, embracing that it's going to be that way. Yeah, I mean, there's something to be said for that. It's I've got a piece on um, home field advantage during this time going up today, and home field advantage is 59.5 percent right now, which is according to the NCA statistics, if it holds up, would be the lowest. Uh, number since 2004 or five. So in the last 15 years, road teams have never been more competitive. So, yeah, I mean, I think there's something to that where it's already descended. If you watch the games, all games, hockey, everything else, baseball into studio sport where they're just staging an event and it's less of a game than a, than a stage, you know, the, the commentators aren't there. Uh, some of the media that cover the game aren't there. So it's just, it's just a different world. Dennis, whenever Mizzou plays Alabama, I expect Mizzou to get trucked. So the the circumstances that they played under on Saturday led me to believe that Alabama would rock Missouri. I I actually thought that things were positive for Missouri under the circumstances. I I think the way they finished the game, scoring 16 of the last 19 points, was a positive Missouri could take out of the game. Now, were Alabama's backups in the game? Yes, they were. But, you know, Missouri didn't, didn't turtle. Uh, they played hard, I thought, the entire game. I think Nick Saban, frankly, has a soft spot for Gary Pinkle in Missouri. Um, and, and, and didn't, you know, seldom does he try to lay a number on a team. And, and obviously he didn't Saturday. Gary Pinkle and Nick Saban were teammates at, at Kent State. So I, I think that had something to do with it because, boy, Alabama's really talented. And it was 5-3. to three. 
Jalen Waddle looks like maybe the best receiver in America after they lost two really good guys to the draft, and, and Najee Harris could win the Heisman. So, so in that sense, no, I, I thought. But uh, second half, definitely Missouri could take some positives out of that. Dennis, I love your college football power rankings. I was looking at them last night, and you had Clemson, number one, Alabama, number two, Texas, number three. They were up two from the week prior. I got to ask, do you think Texas is back, or is it even fair to say Texas is back until they get to the college football playoff? Right. Texas isn't back until they beat Oklahoma and win the Big 12, and that hasn't happened. They beat Oklahoma. They did two years ago in 2018. They haven't won the Big 12 since. 2009 when they went to the championship game against Alabama. So we'll find out, you know, in a couple of weeks. Uh, I I do like them right now. Sam Ellinger, a veteran quarterback through, what was it, five touchdowns against Texas Tech, whose defense is like going against air. And you can, you know, you can dismiss Texas defense, which gave up 56 points, and Texas had to rally from 15 down with three minutes left on the road to get it to overtime. But I think that's the way of the world right now in college football. You know, if you if you got enough explosive plays, look at the Chiefs last night. You can beat anybody. And I, I think te- Texas is rounding into shape. They were horrible defensively last year. I don't know if they're better, but I think their outlook is better. And Sam Ellinger, I think, is determined, especially after Oklahoma being upset at home by Kansas State. I think that gives them a little juice to think they can do this in two weeks. Yeah, that, the Oklahoma loss to K-State – Makes me question, as I do every year, and maybe it's just a, a biased view because Mizzou used to be in the Big 12, but I just don't see the Big 12 being as legit as the Big 10 when they're playing or the SEC. Well, here's how I answer that. Um, everybody, A lot of these teams have separated themselves within these conferences. Clemson in the ACC, Ohio State in the Big 10, big time. Um, no matter how much you want to talk about the August tradition there, they have taken the top off that league and they're head and shoulders above everybody in that league. And in Oklahoma, which has won five straight Big 12 titles, gone to the playoff three straight times. And so what the Big 12 has to do, whether it's Oklahoma or somebody else, is just go in and win a playoff game. Right. You know, they're getting trucked every time they go in there, whether, you know, whether this year it's Texas. Um, but you're right, every game seems to be in the forties, there doesn't seem to be any defense played, but look, that's everywhere. Um, Mississippi state just went to defending national champions and scored 44 points in them in their own yeah. building. Uh, oh, and LSU's diminished, but, um, it, it's for those teams. It's a discussion between those teams at the top, not really the conferences because you know, who, who else are you going to put in there? Florida. Yeah. They're going to compete. Um, you know, Oklahoma's going to be in there. Georgia still has to prove itself. There have been 11 teams, Randy, play for that, play in the playoffs since it started six years ago. That's not a very diverse you know, list. You mentioned LSU, Dennis, and they, they did lose to Mississippi State. First defending national champion to lose their season opener in more than two decades. And, and you're right, they are diminished. But in, in your perspective, what are realistic expectations for LSU this season? When I looked at that roster and what they'd lost and what they had coming in and what I heard they were doing because nobody really knew, you know, cause nobody, you know, couldn't watch practice, couldn't do anything else. I thought in a 12 game season, they were a 10 and two team. Now for LSU, that would be great, but they're coming off a 15 and 0 season that many say was the best in history, best single season in history by a quarterback, Joe Burrow. So the bar is a little higher. So I think, I think for LSU, 
this is kind of a bridge season. And then they've got to prove, are they football royalty? Are they a top 10 team every, every year? I think after this season, I think they are. Because they've recruited at a high rate. Ed Orgeron's established. He's good enough where he can be that CEO coach and trust his assistants to recruit and call plays. Um, and and he, he has really, really good players. It didn't show for the entire game uh, Saturday. But I, but I think they'll be there, uh, maybe not just this year, but I think they'll rebound and be that top 10 team every year. One last college football question for Dennis Dodd. And Michelle and I were talking during the break, Dennis, about your power rankings. And we agree that when you can put a Texas and a Miami and a Notre Dame in your top seven of the power rankings, mm-hmm. we think that's good for college football. What's your take as you put that together? What do you think that says for college football? Oh, it's great, and it's going to get better when Ohio State's in there, when Oregon's in there, because they they will be included at least in, in our our uh, rankings as their seasons start. Um, no, I think it's great. I, the, the sport's always better when USC's good, when Notre Dame's good, when Miami's good. Um, I'm really excited about Miami just because I think they're for real. Do I think they'll win the ACC? No, I don't. But I, I think they've they've gotten back to some. Some things are they've got dudes, they've got speed, um, they've got talent, they've got a quarterback. Derek King is is almost the college version of, uh, of Pat Mahomes right now. He's that good. So, no, I, I think it's great. It's great for the game. Dennis, we know that you are a big St. Louis Blues fan, and so we need to get your ruling on this. Randy and I were talking about this. Now that the Tampa Bay Lightning are officially the Stanley Cup champions, they have hoisted the cup. You you tweeted this. Is it time to change my profile <laughs> picture or not? Randy and I talked about the banner. He has a replica banner hanging in his media room, in his theater room. Is it time to change the pictures and take down the banners, or is what the Blues did so amazing that they can live on in infamy? 15 months and 16 days we lived with it. I was counting every day till the Tampa Bay one last night. I, I got some feedback last night immediately on Twitter from, uh, from Brian Kelly, uh, from Camelwax. He said, no, no, leave it up there. I think, I think I can change it to, you know, what Randy did or something else. Cause you can never take the cup away. Just a picture of the cup would be great. In fact, when I do, when I do video from my office, I had the cup over my right shoulder on my bookcase. It'll never go away. So, yeah, you know, with Petro hoisting the cup, yeah, that might not look good because he looks like he's going to be gone in a few days. So maybe just put a cup up there. How simple. Yeah, it's absolutely perfect. Hey, we always love having you on the show, Dennis. Thanks so much. Keep up the great work. Are you going to a game this weekend, by the way? I I am not. And, I, you know, that's – I don't know if I'll be going to many this season. It's In in the SEC, the protocol is that uh, the post game is all on Zoom. So I could be anywhere in the country and cover SEC games as good as people that are actually in the press box. So, again, that's that's where we are right now. So we'll see. All right. Have a great day, and we'll talk to you soon. Thank you. Thanks, guys. See you later. That's Dennis Dodd, CBSSports.com. Big Blues fan with us on 101 ESPN. Uh, a cup is nice, simple. I've got a cup in the basement. That's very cool that you have a cup in the basement. It's a Chris Ranji popcorn maker cup. He delivered. He gave it to me as a gift. It's great. What a great gift! Yeah, it's fantastic. I wonder where he got that. We can find out. I, we know a guy. We can ask him. <laughs> yeah, but I, I also have the blues wine and the blues Bud Light. Wow. Uh, I got a, a lot of. I've got two banners. I've got a lot of Stanley Cup stuff. I, I needed that. You know, it's funny you mention that. We moved offices when we mm-hmm. started our show, and I was just looking through the old office, which I have yet to clean out, and I have a bunch of blue stuff. Like I'm holding right now, you might hear it. 
a 2019 Stanley Cup champions replica banner. Beautiful thing. I need to give this stuff away. We're going to find a way. We need to find a way to give it away because I would like someone else to enjoy this. And you used the word earlier, incentivize. We're going to incentivize people. Yeah, we need to figure out a way to incentivize you to participate with the show in some way to get some of this. Blue. We have some good blue stuff in there. I have uh, bobbleheads. I have, as I mentioned, the banner. We've got some stuff that we could give away. From your home of the blues. That's Coming right. up on 101 ESPN. But next up, Scoops with Danny Mack at the top of the hour. We're going to cross things over with the voice of the Cardinals on FS Midwest and our teammate here at 101 ESPN. Dan is next. Stick around. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast on 101 ESPN. <laughs> Time now for the crossover. Brought to you by Dobbs Tire and Auto Center's newest store. Number 41 in Eureka is now open. Bulletin apparently official. MLB Central on MLB.com is not socially distanced. (laughs) There's no difference between their couch now and one year ago today, Dan. I'm not sure. I'm not here to judge. I'm not going to. There's gonna, no way it's six feet. I'm not going to measure it out. I love. We'll put it this way. I'm addicted to MLB, so I'm not going to judge it. I want to. It looks fine to me, Randy. It is amazing how large some of the studio tables are now. Looks isn't? fine to me. Okay. How about the the, the two of them? Uh, TNT's NBA studio yep. with a monster table, and then the giant round table that they have for NFL Countdown and have you seen College that? Game Day. Yeah, yeah. It's huge. Yeah. So some big expensive. I don't tables. know. It's yeah, they're awfully tight. I don't know. Uh, I don't. I don't. Maybe think, it's the camera angle. Maybe it's four feet. Uh, if you can, how long is a baseball bat? They could touch each other with a baseball bat. Yeah. Easily. Yep. It's thirty-four inches. There you Thirty-five. Go. Thirty-six. Yeah. How many feet is that? I don't know the math. So that's <laughs> fine though, because they probably get tested every day, and they're probably quarantined. So we're good. Well, some of the guys will be quarantined as they head to the bubble. Going to uh, cover these games. Oh, yeah. I think Greg has to be, right? 14 days? No, he won't be. I don't think. Because he's in a different tier. There's tier two, tier one, tier tier one, tier two, tier three. He's not going. I think. uh, You're going to be around the players. You're going to be quarantined. Verducci and somebody else. But Greg said, no, I'm going out and playing golf. So he's on the different tour. (laughs) Yeah. So So I'm assuming those guys, if they're in the broadcast booth, you will not have to be quarantined. Now, if you're going to be in the dugout, you will be quarantined. Because you're going to be around sense. the players. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So right. I'm assuming there'll be portions of the hotel that will be away from players, that kind of thing, or maybe separate hotels, mm-hmm. I would, I, my guess would be, and separate buses to the hotel or right. hotel to the ballpark and vice versa, that kind of thing. You never know. All right. Get, the American League starts today. Tampa and Toronto, Cleveland and New York, the Twins and the Astros, and the A's and the White Sox. Most compelling of those four American League series. I'd go with Cleveland and New York um, just because there's a history there, and I think the uh, the pitching of the Indians intrigues me, and that's the one that uh, there's always pressure, I think, with the Yankees no matter what. This is why you brought Garrett Cole mm-hmm. to... Uh, wear pinstripes and gave him that kind of money. And uh, after they traded Clevenger, if you're the Indians and you've got Bieber going, I, I, I to me that's the most intriguing of it. Um, I think the White Sox are a great story, even though they're a seven seed. They easily could have been a higher seed than yeah. that. Um, and the only the only teams out of all this the the craziness of the season that know each other in this entire. 
bracket are Toronto and and, uh, and Tampa Bay. Mm-hmm. They're the only teams that have faced each other this year. So I, I do think that adds to the intrigue of this bracket of, of seeing each other. And I do think there is something to it, having not seen each other from just over a year ago. So I, I think that'll lend itself to some of the oddity of watching these games. And that includes the Cardinals and the Padres. Dan, I was listening to you yesterday driving home, and when you and Brad were talking about how you would set up the Cardinals rotation, you mentioned that you would give the ball to Kim game one. So what was your reaction when you heard that's what the Cardinals were, in fact, doing yesterday? I'm not surprised. So this was my rotation. Mm -hmm. Uh, I know some people are surprised. I'm not. I, I went KK, Wainwright, and Jack Flaherty. And my reasoning, I'll talk about it on the show again, but KK going on normal day's rest. I think Adam Wainwright deserves a spot not to be relying on a win going into game three. So he has earned either a game one or a game two spot. And Jack Flaherty has not been as good as he was a year ago. Now that's a byproduct of a couple of bad starts against Milwaukee. They've, they've had his number. He wasn't overly sharp against the Cubs either, but I do like the fact that a winner take all man, you've got one of the best young pitchers in baseball. And if he's right, you better watch out because Jack Flaherty can win it. And if you win the first two games, you got him lined up for game one going into the next series. So I like the Cardinals pitching. I, I really do. San Diego has not swung the bats as well as they did in the first portion, month, month and a half of the regular season. Um, I know all the experts are, are predicting the Padres, but pitching trumps hitting. And the Cardinals have really good pitching. I, I think a wild card in this, I'll be fascinated to see how Mike Schilt uses Giovanni Gallegos. Mm-hmm. He was using him in the middle innings. And part of that was to see how he was health-wise and part of it was out of a necessity to see if he had to go to Detroit on Monday. But he used him for two innings on in the game on Sunday. Is he a back-end guy? Is he back into being your closer? Are they going to use him for multiple innings in the middle of games? And if that's the case, he really can shorten games with Gallegos, uh, Henesis Cabrera, Alex Reyes to get to Andrew Miller, to get to John Gant. Is John Gant healthy? I mean, all these things are up in the air, but I, I just really like the Cardinals pitching. If folks have not been paying close attention to the Padres, and that's totally reasonable, two things strike them about me, uh, to me. Number one, that it's a completely different team than it was at the end of August. They turned over more than a third of their roster. And number two, both Tommy Pham and Will Myers aren't what they were before. That's bad for Pham and good for Myers. Yeah, Pham has had an okay season. Not great. It's been okay. Will Myers has had a really good season, and... Um, Eric Cosmer, by the way, was dealing with a fracture in his hand. That's a problem. Um, Fernando Tatis has cooled off a little mm-hmm. bit. If not, I think he would have been the MVP of the National League. They the still have Manny Machado. Machado is now kind of eased into where Manny Machado is the guy that you signed. Be careful over at first, Paul Goldschmidt. And the the real key for them is whether or not they are healthy with their two big stars at, at the top of the rotation, which is Clevenger and Lamette. Apparently what I was told, I, I talked to some people in San Diego yesterday, they had what they are, are terming this an aggressive throw, whatever that means. I don't know if they got on a mound. I don't know if they just wanted to see and let it air out and dealing with their arm and their bicep situation. So if they have Clevenger and Lamette, then it becomes a tougher series. If not, maybe the path to try to win that series becomes a little bit easier. But the back end of their bullpen is really good. They've got Pomeranz and they've got Trevor Rosenthal, and Trevor Rosenthal has been unhittable since he got to San Diego. I may live to regret this. I probably will. The one team that I think has zero chance of winning in the first round, and there's only one that I believe has zero chance. Yep. Yeah. I, I go, but in a short series, man, anything 
could happen. By the way, Milwaukee took two or three against the Dodgers last year at Dodger Stadium. They did, yeah. You know, I, I just... That's the craziness of it, cliche of 2020, but in a short series in baseball, anything can happen. It's cliche, but it really is true. It's true. You're going to have some weird things that happen with this. I've told you my Daryl Sutter story, right? So the Blues beat the Blackhawks. This is the game where Belfour busted, busted the stick. Yeah. And the Blues, I think, had finished, I think it was a 7-2. I think the Blues had finished with the seventh best record in the conference, and the Hawks had finished with the second best record in the conference. Blues beat them in the first round. Sweep them, 4 nothing. And post-game press conference, I go to Daryl Sutter, and I ask, uh, so what do you think the Blues are capable of doing here? And he said, I don't care. I said, well, I just asked because they are the team that beat you in the first round. I wanted to know if you thought that they could do any more damage. He said, anything could happen. It just did. <laughs> exactly. It's true, though. Yeah. I mean, in a short series in baseball, if if you get – so they haven't seen Kim, which they mm. never have seen him. So he could mm. go out and deal. That could happen. And then you get – it's kind of like the 2011 game against Halliday. You get one hit, Skip Schumacher's hit, yep. and it holds up, and Chris Carpenter deals. You win the game. That kind of thing happens. So I – I'm intrigued by this whole short series stuff. I, I, I kind of am a fan going forward. If, instead of just a one-game take-it-all, I kind of like the short series. You play series the entire year in baseball. I'm intrigued to see how this plays out and if this is what we see going forward. More money. More games, more money. I like it. I, I wonder how fans are going to react to this. I, I'm sure there's a lot of fans that are not a fan of this. Because baseball has been so traditional for so long. But did we really notice the three batter minimum this year? No. Did we really care that we put four fingers up, a guy takes a walk? No. Did the three batter minimum matter? No. Did uh, seven any doubleheaders really bother people that much? Not really. I, I, I'm okay hey, with some of these things. We moved from World LCS and then World Series and LCS to having Division Series. And none of it has wound up being bad. And every other sport is this way. This is not a bad thing. Your son loves baseball. He's a huge baseball fan. Okay, so that is the fan that we have to keep. In my mind, we have got to keep engaged. He's the next wave of a season ticket holder, a suite holder, a guy that's going to pay for signage. Those are the people we've got to keep engaged. Then you need to have Jeff Samarja pitch better. <laughs> well, <laughs> I get done. it, but you know what I'm saying? Yeah, that's the next that's wave it. of people. Yep. We yep. got to get some young fans that want to watch the game. So as we keep the fan that's there and keep them engaged and make them enjoy the sport and let them continue to enjoy what they have always enjoyed, but we got to bring other people in. And I, I believe that baseball's looking at 18 to 29. What you have to do is you have to look at six plus. You, the people that you get, you have to build brand loyalty with those kids that are between six and 18. What bothers you about the game now? Is it too slow? Uh, I am I grew up with baseball. It's Yeah, it's too slow, but I, I think it's better. That, I think they have improved over the last five years in terms of getting more action in the game. The one thing that I would like is I, I don't like the three tr- true outcomes. See, but that's the problem. That's, right, that's what makes it that's slow. The, that's the slowness and, of the game. And, hey, we've talked about it before. Baseball could solve a lot of problems 
by putting in the electronic strike zone. They call the strike from your armpit to the hollow of your knee. If you call the real strike zone and force people to swing the bat and you make hitting and swinging the bat valuable again, you're going to solve a lot of problems. What about a pitch clock? I'm fine with a pitch clock. Clock. I am too. <laughs> I like a pitch clock. I do a lot. Yeah. <laughs> and you know what? If you sit there with a stopwatch, no pitcher goes, not very few pitchers go beyond 20 seconds. And it only affected very few pitchers anyway. They, they've dealt with that in the Arizona Fall League. Guys yeah. adjusted. Yeah, yeah, so I, I'm fine with it. I agree. What do you got on the show today? Mark Sweeney. Oh, yeah. Former Cardinal. Yeah. One of the great, literally one of the great pinch hitters, pinch hitters of all time. He yeah. was he was great, and uh, he is working on the uh, Padres broadcast for many years. So we'll get kind of a preview from San Diego about the Padres and talk about uh, what's been good and bad for them this year, and get uh, the viewpoint from well, a guy that's been up there uh, up close watching San Diego. Looking forward to scoops. All right, my man. Thanks. Thank you, uh, Michelle. That is the great Dan McLaughlin. He's coming up. Thanks to Tanner Hendrickson, our producer engineer today. Pitch clock. Pitch clock, yes. Yes. That's what I said. All right. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Thanks, Michelle. You got it, Randy. See you tomorrow. <laughs> and thanks to you for tuning in, texting in, and being a part of the show for all of us until tomorrow morning at 7. Have a great day, St. Louis. <laughs> that was the Character and Smallman podcast on 101 ESPN. For the ones who know safety isn't a catchphrase, it's a culture. And the ones who help make sure everyone makes it home safe. For the safety-minded who watch everyone's backs, Granger offers supplies and solutions for every industry, as well as safety assessments and training to keep your facilities safe and your people safer. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.